0: we had yesterday. All the dreams dashed. Never mind. Lots coming up on the show this morning and I know you'll want to have your say on it. Hundreds of litres of heating oil accidentally pumped into a Bedfordshire couple's home. Wow. Find out why and what can be done about it in the next half an hour. And the last bookshop in Watford is to close. Are you missing bookshops from your high street? Here's a question. When was the last time you bought a book from a bookshop? And Australian DJs make a prank call to the hospital where the Duchess of Cambridge is staying. Health bosses say they're embarrassed. Did you find it funny or did the radio station go too far? 08459 455 555.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: This, this Australian thing, I'm not a massive royalist, I quite like them, I'm not massive, but I heard this thing about the, these, these Australians doing a prank call. A, prank calls, let's be honest, they're not funny, they stopped being funny with Noel's funny phone calls, which I think ended in about 1984. Since then, they have been very, very tedious. I've done some myself, and they're awful, unfunny, lazy. And, and guess what, you don't do it to a pregnant woman who's actually quite sick during her pregnancy, Australia. So I'm kind of virtually declaring war on Australia on this show I don't know if I have the power to do that but I'm doing it can we get if you're an Australian and I know we have a huge Australian community that listens to BBC Three Counties Radio if you're an Australian Australians and apologise okay and we'll, we'll say no more about it 08459 455 555 and if you thought it was funny if you missed it basically two Australian DJs they, they sound crazy mate they sound crazy phoned up the hospital where um, the Duke of, uh, the, the Duchess of Cambridge is staying Pretended to be Prince Charles and the Queen in a corgi. And uh, almo- almost got put through to her. Did you think it was funny? Were you there going, oh, fair play, that was uh, excellent. Uh, or did you think it was outrageous? Treasonous. Is treasonous a word? Yeah, it is now. Treasonous will do. Uh, 08459. four double five five double five. You can text as well, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or, and boy, oh boy, if there was ever a reason that uh, the WWW was invented by that bloke go to the facebook page picture my haircut the haircut's up there kids facebook.com forward slash bbc 3cr i once heard someone on this station um i think it was when david preva was here phone up with a web address okay and he so he said let's say it was david i don't know uh okay so what's what's the website and the guy went h t t p I tell what, d- 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 tell us off there. And we'll- <laughs> yeah! Some people do that. Some people give the HTTP colon forward slash forward slash. Anyway, did you find the, uh, the, the, the royal prank call hilarious or outrageous? 08459 555. And uh, also, um, if you're an Australian, phone up and apologise for the sins of your countrymen. Now, a retired retired couple from Bedfordshire say their house needs to be demolished and rebuilt after 500 litres of heating oil was accidentally pumped into the foundations. Accidentally, wow. Trevor and Elizabeth Piggott had to move out of their bungalow last Christmas and are still living in rented accommodation. We can speak now to our reporter Justin Dilley. Good morning Justin. Morning Ian. This this story sounds incredible. I've not quite got my head around it. What happened?
2: Absolutely fascinating. Well uh, Trevor and Elizabeth Piggott, they live next door to a house in Little Billington where heating oil is used on a regular basis. Now around a year ago there was a a mix up with the delivery of the oil and 500 litres of toxic kerosene was pumped into the wrong pipe. was pumped into the foundations of their house. Can you believe that? Ouch, that's, that's incredible. How have they cleaned it up? Well, this is a problem. Uh, the pickets have arranged for the removal of most of it, but they claim that you can still smell chemicals and kerosene in every corner of the house. I'll be going to the house a bit later on to, to smell that for myself. They say they've had an oil expert to see the damage, and they've recommended an entire excavation of the ground floor of their £800,000 property. Now, they say this would probably cost more than completely demolishing and rebuilding the house. They maintain the smell, cannot be removed by repairs or refurbishment of the property. They say they cannot live there because the smell of these toxic chemicals is so overpowering. And since last Christmas, they've now been living in rented accommodation.
0: Who's going to pay to fix this? Surely it's the, the bloke that pumped yeah. the oil in, you would well,
2: think. You, you would think so. It's, it's very, very complicated, this. Now, the company who caused this damage, GB Oils, well, they have accepted liability for this. Well, now it's being argued between their insurance company and the Piggott's insurance ah, company. the insurance
0: company battles. Yeah, it all
2: gets very technical. The Piggott's, they are claiming damages in excess of £300,000 from their insurance company. That's Lloyd's TSB. The problem is in, well, Lloyd's TSB, they say the house can be repaired and restored as it is. But the couple, they completely disagree. They say it probably needs to be demolished and rebuilt. They're now taking this battle to the High Court. We have had a statement here from Lloyd's TSB Mm. who insured the house. They say in a statement, we are confident that this property can be restored to its original state with no requirement for demolition based on the advice that we have received from oil experts. So it's fascinating, it's complicated, and the family will be joining us live on the programme after seven. And
0: you're going to go to the house and uh, have a little sniff?
2: Yes, I will be, but I'll be very, very careful because from what I've been told, it's pretty much like a crime scene. It's all Mm. roped off outside. This was their dream home. They've been there for 14 years, now living in rented accommodation. So I shall be going there, speaking to them and finding out just um, just how they feel today.
0: Justin, just one, can I give you one word of advice? Yes. Don't smoke anywhere near that house. <laughs> D- don't light any cigarettes or matches. Justin, we'll speak to you later on. Thank you very much.
1: Across beds, hearts and bucks, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Wow, doesn't that sound awful? Uh, It's the story making most of the front pages today. The Chancellor's autumn statement. Labour are accusing the government of hitting working families as well as the unemployed with a real terms cut in welfare payments. The Chancellor, George Osborne, says benefits will increase by 1% for each of the next three years. That's lower than inflation. Announcing the measure in his autumn statement, he said it was fair.
3: Fairness is also about being fair to the person who leaves home every morning to go out to work and sees their neighbour still asleep living a life on benefits. As well as a tax system where the richest pay their fair share, we have to have a welfare system that is fair to the working people who pay for it.
0: The Coalition says the move will save £3.7 billion, which will go towards reducing Britain's budget deficit. But the shadow Treasury Minister, Rachel Rachel Reeves, says it will also hurt thousands of people who have jobs.
4: The people who are going to lose out from these changes are people who are in work on modest incomes. 60% of the people who are going to be hit by those changes are people in work, because it's not just out-of-work benefits that are going to be hit, it's tax credits as well.
0: Lee Healy is a benefits expert from Income Max. says that the changes will affect a wide range of people
5: yes it affects uh, job seekers and the long-term unemployed but it also affects lone parents and couples with children it also affects working families um, on low incomes and it also affects disabled people that are too sick to work with the employment and support allowance also
0: um, only going up by one percent well business secretary vince cable admits he's not comfortable with cutting people's benefits but the liberal democrat says the state of the economy means it's necessary
3: I'm not comfortable at all, but you know these are very, very difficult circumstances. Uh, actually, welfare payments for people who are out of work uh, rose substantially last year, but this year they're below inflation, uh, though they are increased. Uh, I mean, other vulnerable sectors are being held. The pensioners, for example, are now getting an award more than inflation
0: Ministers also point out that under the Chancellor's mini-budget, low earners will pay less tax, and drivers are being helped after George Osborne scrapped a planned three pence a litre increase in fuel duty due to be introduced next month Give us a call that prank call to the, the, the Duchess, funny or a bit out of order? Got a tweet from Fibona about the uh, prank call to our future Queen Ha 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 Ha, 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 You should be calling the hospital and asking them to apologise on air. Australian people aren't responsible. Well, Fibonacci, yes they are. It was Australians what done pretended to be our queen and phone up the hospital and start this whole... They basically declared war. And I'm making the call. mean anything. Morning! I don't Sydney, BBC Three Counties Radio. Hey! Now, I heard this story yesterday, and, um... Well, it got me angry for a couple of reasons. One, I just don't think it's funny. I don't think prank calls are funny. I think that they are the um, answer for the lazy uh, disc jockey... Uh, I just think they're rubbish. Uh, and also, we don't phone up pregnant women who are not very well, do we? And, and do prank phone calls, do we? Is that what we do? No, of course we don't. Well, two Australian radio DJs impersonated the Queen and the Prince of Wales to trick hospital staff into giving up uh, giving them an update on Kate Middleton's condition. The chief executive of the private Edward VII Hospital says he regrets that the Duchess of Cambridge's privacy was breached. Well, BBC uh, Three Counties reporter Jessica Cooper has been following the story. Good morning, Jessica.
6: Morning, Ian. What
0: can you tell? Tell us about this.
6: Well, as you said, um, there this happened on the uh, in the early hours on Tuesday morning. It was two presenters from the Sydney-based radio station Today FM, and what they did—I've listened to the recording—they phoned. They said we've got a phone number for the hospital where Kate Middleton is being treated for this severe morning sickness, as she's in the early stages of pregnancy. They said that we'll ring up and see how far we get. Um, i think they were taken by surprise by how far they got after speaking to one person they were quite quickly put through to a nurse who had been treating the duchess of cambridge who then went on to update them on her condition talking about whether she had been retching or not talking about whether she had um, been cleaned up that morning or not whether she had had a wash etc um, so giving out quite personal details and mm. um, and they seem to have been taken by surprise what happened in the hospital has said that confidentiality is taken very seriously. Their telephone protocols are now under review. And Today FM, the radio station, said it was surprised to be put through, but it does sincerely apologise. But of course... Well it, it says happened, it,
0: well, it says it apologises, yeah. but then if you go to their website, it's like, listen to the prank call that shocked the world. It's all of that kind of stuff, isn't it? They're bigging themselves up quite a bit.
6: Exactly. They have got a huge amount of publicity about this. It's being talked about across the world. I know that the uh, recording is really popular on YouTube. So, as a result, they are being talked about and even though they say they're apologising they've got lots of publicity from it
0: Jess you're in Luton this morning and you've been speaking to people about whether they think the call was outrageous or hilarious what have they told you?
6: Well it is what I was expecting really Um, it's the kind of topic where people have an instant opinion and it's quite divided Um, some people immediately think this is outrageous and they think about if it was their family member how would they feel Um, other people think that this is just a funny joke Um, and this is what people were been saying to me in Luton this morning
7: basically I think that was wrong definitely and um if it would be my personal issue or problem I would be really disappointed about it because it's kind of personal life um everybody wants to have you know some secrets I mean we all do so uh it is definitely wrong it's definitely wrong I I would definitely be disappointed very disappointed if it happened to me Mm. um
6: are you surprised, given the, um, the stature that Kate Middleton is, that she's a, a member of the royal family now, that the, the people were able to get through and find out the information about her?
7: That's really bad. Uh, as I'm saying, um, all the royal information should come out from them whenever they want it. Um, that really it sounds wrong for me, because uh, people never know for themselves. Is it, is it how it's going to happen? And um, so, yeah i think it's definitely wrong i think it was a bit foolish no harm done personally i think the nurse
8: was a bit naive simple as that mm-hmm. you don't get queen and prince uh, charles with charles doing that sort of thing so.
6: how would you, you feel, know, feel though like if it was a member of your family and that happened
8: um probably laugh because i really think it's a harmless thing you know a bit foolish it depends people are sensitive more sensitive than others uh,
9: but no harm done, and, uh, yeah,
8: I think the nurses are a wee bit uh, naive at the end of the day.
9: Really appalling. They do it all the time, the Aussies, so it's just poor. We shouldn't go there ever again.
6: When have they done it before, then?
9: I think there was something in the paper a year or two ago that they phoned somebody up. I don't know who it was, I can't remember, but they did do it before. I certainly remember. Was it the England manager or something like that? So they they got history, so...
6: What do you think about hoax calls in general? Are they ever funny? No. But a lot of people are quite divided on this. Some people think that it is quite a a good joke.
9: Yeah, until it's done on them, then it's not so funny. Mm. So I just think it's bad.
0: Uh, j- <laughs> I wish we had a prince called Prince...
10: <laughs>
0: he was brilliant, wasn't he? I was like, Charles, you want to say Charles? yes, j- uh, I've just been sent a tweet that... So, there's me bad-mouthing prank calls and saying they're unfunny. Haven't been funny since 1986. Lee has tweeted me, Ian, you saying prank calls are rubbish? Really? And then he's just put the phrase, is it Ghostbusters too?" And about six years ago... Um, uh, when I was, I'd split up with a girl, I was a little bit lonely and a bit mm-hmm. bored. I prank. you know, remember those channels, all those late night quiz shows yeah. where you could phone in and you had to, like, guess a word? Mm-hmm. Well, I would phone them all up and go, <laughs> yeah, is it Ghostbusters 2? Whatever it was. Now, it doesn't sound funny on its own like that, but let me just, I, I'm going to tweet some of those those links because it is actually hilarious. So I, I do have kind of a soft spot for the prank call. I've just been reminded. But but this is, we don't phone up sick pregnant women, do we? <laughs>
6: (laughs) No, I don't think we do. And I think it's fair to assume that the majority of people in Britain will think that this is a step too far. Um, I don't know if the radio station assumed that they would even get that far. But uh, there have been questions asked about the nurse and whether she should have assumed something was wrong a bit earlier. Because if you hear the recording, the person impersonating the Queen um, is talking about corgis. Oh, Charles, please control the corgis. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's kind of... um, over exaggerated i don't know whether the queen would do that if she phoned a hospital or even if she would phone a hospital herself so um quite a lot of questions being asked
0: Jess, thank you very much for that we've got an email M em says he and the oz prank only happened because not enough security was in place at the hospital however i do not condone this episode and the couple guilty of this offense sh- should lose their jobs off with their heads i say they're typical of the set who think this si- sick joke is funny what a grossy world we live in now well i want to hear from you this morning uh, 08459 455 555. What do you think? Is it funny? Was it funny? Or did you think it was a little bit just, just a bit of fun? Or did you think it was outrageous and ridiculous? Oh eight four five nine 455 555. Uh, you can text as well, 81333, starting your text 3 ci Yes, I did phone up these. Um, they, they got rid of them in the end. They sort of banned them. They are these channels that late at night they'd be one channel, then they'd turn to like a phoneme thing, and you'd have a, a, a slightly vacuous presenter stood in front of a board with like ten blank answers, and you would have to things like quiz call and things like that that 's it and you would have to it would be um uh, films uh, no it would be um oh what kind of stuff would it be it would just be like films with dogs in. Or films with something and something. Is that vague? Basically, it, it, it was it was like Wally Webb's What Am I Thinking competition. You would literally have to phone up and guess what were they thinking. And I, or, and I would always phone up, and it cost me a fortune. Man alive, I was lonely. It cost me a fortune, because they, they were like, you know, premium rate lines. And I would get through and go, yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. Um, is it Ghostbusters 2? Now, it doesn't sound funny on its own, but trust me, I'm going to... Follow me, at Ian Lee, I will tweet a couple of the links... It is actually very, very funny. Trust me on this one. Trust me. 08459 double five five double five was the prank call to uh, the Duchess's hospital Funny. And c- listen, if you're an Australian, come on. Take one for the team. Phone up and apologise, please. Thank you.
1: The BBC in beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning.
0: Lots coming up in the next half an hour, including when did you last buy a book from a bookshop? I bought two recently. I bought one with my dad for my little boy on. When did I go to Gloucester Tuesday, I think it was? And I bought, um, a book in New York City Barnes and Noble! New York City! I was even queuing outside a bookshop. That's how bored I was. Um, I bought the autobiography of Peter Chris. Anyone? the drummer from rock band kiss no okay well i bought that so i have bought a couple of books recently i do tend to buy them online because they're cheaper when did you last buy a book from a bookshop the last bookshop in watford is due to close waterstones says it's for commercial reasons and do you remember that we told you uh, about the traffic wardens in king's langley they were parking in disabled bays whilst dishing out tickets we had a word with the council and they promised they'd do something about it but have they well i'll tell you in the next 20 minutes Come on, Australians, be man enough to phone up. Let's be honest, we're probably still asleep. 08459 four double five five double five. Phone up and apologise for your treasonous countrymen. Goodness sakes. Shame on every single one of you. OK, I've tweeted on at Ian Lee. I would never dream of doing it for a BBC account. A couple of prank calls I did uh, about seven years ago. Six, seven years ago to these late-night quiz shows. One of the questions was, uh, things beginning with tea.
11: Just like the sunny
0: and I phoned up and go, it goes, Busters too." They normally took it in quite good spirits. You can have a look, at Ian Lee, you can go and see a couple of links. So I, 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 I'm now slightly embarrassed by me dissing the prank call, because <laughs> it turns out, in fact, someone's posted on a Facebook page... Ian, you're the king of prank calls. Well, no, hang on a second, I don't think I am. I do, I do, dear listener, if you could see me now, you'll, you'll just see a bit of yellow and white on my face. That is indeed egg that is rolling down uh, my face. Now, come Christmas Eve, there won't be any bookshops in Watford, other than the charity ones. I'm a big fan of charity sh- shops. I'm always in the charity shop having to rummage around through the books and the records. Waterstones in Watford is shutting down. All of the staff are going to lose their jobs. The company says they're being forced to close because of commercial reasons. But is it the end of the road for bookshops with the explosions of the internet, Amazon, and these digital book readers, Kindles and what have you?
12: Well, here's what these people think in Watford. I I read a lot, but I use Kindle.
13: Right. So I suppose for you, you don't go into bookshops anymore anyway?
12: No, not very often nowadays.
13: It doesn't surprise you then that another bookshop's closing?
12: No, it's not... don't surprise me at all you know so many of them closing down everywhere
14: it's an excellent <coughs> bookshop yeah, yeah. It, um means that there's not a um bookshop so where book were you? readers <laughs> this yes. is it yeah. where do
13: you go what happens to you
14: because that's where i would normally go to buy a book yeah you do yeah i would be struggling because um smiths wouldn't have what i would be after no.
13: they're very specialist aren't they yes I guess. Yeah. yeah yeah so and what about amazon don't fancy I do? that
14: i do use yeah. yes. i do use online but um if i don't know a book i want to have a look yeah. That's
13: true. So, And why do you think Watford? Because there are others in the area, St Albans, Hitchin, they're still open. Why do you think here in Watford they're closing down? Illiterate people uh, that just don't read, perhaps?
14: No, or? I'd hope not. I'd no. hope not. I hope not i do not know So, yeah. why, they've, why they've made that decision, but I'm certain, yeah. I uh, don't <laughs>
15: buy books. No, they don't buy books. No. They go to the charity shop, buy a book. Yeah.
13: Do you think that's what people do nowadays? They just oh, oh, the, Yes, I think so. I mean, so yeah,
15: because the price of paperbacks and whatever, yeah, I mean, going there, 50 pence.
13: Yeah. Whereas you're looking at six ninety nine.
15: Yeah, 99 Yeah, yes. you
8: only read it once, do not
13: you? So you're not surprised that bookshops are going down the oh, Swan they No. I know that,
8: actually.
13: Do you go there often?
8: Not that often, no, to be perfectly honest. No. I normally get my books online, so... But so, I think it's a shame. Yeah,
13: there's no more bookshop other than second-hand shops now in the town.
8: Disappointing here. Yeah. Not good for the economy. Yeah, probably to go online with the internet and go to charity bookshops, so... Think
0: so. About a doubt. It's So, reporter Serena Farrow there speaking to the citizens of Watford. Well, Tony Ma owns an independent uh, bookshop in Welling Garden City called the Bookshop. Morning Tony.
16: Morning Ian, how are you?
0: Yeah, good, thank you very much. You had to
16: go bust last year, is that right? Well we put, well my put my previous business, which was my the bookseller, we'd been in Welling Garden City for eighteen years. Uh, we put into liquidation last year. Um, mainly because we, we just didn't believe that the business would be a concern going forward.
0: But then you've got another bookshop. You, you, what's caused you to change your mind?
16: Well, well it's it, it not really a changing, a changing our mind at all. Um, I mean, what we've actually opened is a new bookshop, which is a slightly different concept to a traditional uh, high street bookshop or general bookshop that we had before. Um, I mean, the previous business, I mean, was an extremely successful business. We opened in 1995, um, and... I mean, we, we had enormous economic pressures for a mm. business. I mean, what, one of those being, I mean, you're tied into a 25-year lease, would, uh, uh, which is obviously you, you, op- you sign that with open eyes when, when you do that. But the problem, uh, or m- my main problem uh, it, and issue with landlords, is, is that we have uh, this escalating rent, which are way out of line uh, with inflation. And it makes the economics of, of selling books on the high street totally different. What's to so
0: different too? about this new bookshop you've got?
16: Well, we, we opened a, a totally new, new concept, which what we w- wanted to be was more aggressive on price, uh, price-wise. price yeah. so, so whereas before we were a general bookshop, we had every single new book in, um, we now have representation of new books. But really, we, we, what we do is discount every single thing that we sell in the shop yeah. uh, and discount aggressively where we've got good terms from publishers.
0: And why do, why do you think that uh, bigger bookstores, like Waterstones, are going into decline? Because a lot of them are closing now.
16: Well, I think the story's a bit unfair on Waterstones. I mean, Waterstones are a fantastic business. Oh, of course, yeah. Hundreds of branches around the country. My suspicion, I don't know this, but my suspicion in Watford would be that their lease probably has come to its end. I know they've probably opened... Well, they would have had a 25-year lease, which was probably started in around 1988, 1990. So probably it's due for, or it's going to expire shortly. And probably commercially, they decided that with the level of rent nowadays, it was not right to renew that lease. I don't think it's a reflection of Waterstone's business at all.
0: How much of a, 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 a threat are, are online book sellers like Amazon and things like that? Because I'll be honest, I uh, quite often I'll be in a bookshop. Mm. and go, oh, look, that looks good. And let me just check see how much it is online, and mm. then I'll order it online while I'm in the bookshop.
9: Mm.
16: Um, well, a lot of people do and in fact amazon have, have had an active policy in America of encouraging people to go into bookshops, use the bookshop as a showroom, and in fact were at the end of last year giving people an incentive to basically buy the book from the bookshop online, which uh, uh, there 's been great uproar with, with over there mm. um, but but I mean, actually, the economics of, of, and where people buy books has changed massively. Interesting, when we closed the, the last business last year in '95, uh, so last year it was t- 2011. Um, we 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 actually looked at at the business and the way the market had changed, and actually, 1995 when we opened coincidentally was the same year that Amazon started in, in the US, mm. um, and suddenly books became available online. Um, but actually, since that day, and arguably in 1995, you could argue that 100 percent of book sales would go through the high street or traditional high street bookshops uh, including the chains Um, and since then uh, we believe probably over fifty percent of that market hasn't disappeared, but moved away to other channels. We, the internet, supermarkets have massively grown their market share, uh, and also now the advent of e-books, uh, not just the Kindle that you mentioned earlier, but obviously uh, other forms of that. Oh, I hate and those th-
0: blooming things! I'm not. I want to. I want to hold a book. I want to fold yeah. the pages. I want to smell
16: an old book. Well, lo- lots of people do, but the problem is, is that every single one percent of people who do that, there's another one percent of your potential market that you're you're mm. aiming at. So, so actually, fifty percent of should we say 1995? High street business has now moved away from traditional high street booksellers. So the economics of a general bookshop on the high street have, have totally changed. And with that, this massive growth in in, in the occupation cost in, in the very, especially in the shopping centres, but also on high street. Tony, what, what book are you reading now? What am I reading at the moment? Actually, I'm rereading, and it sounds really boring. But this is a, a, a book called In San We Trust by a man called Bob. Old Tigo, which is actually the story of, um, of Walmart and its beginnings in America. Actually, a fascinating story because um, Sam Walton, who built up Walmart, was a, a genius and had such foresight. It was unbelievable. But, but it's, it, it's a story about how clever he was, but also then how scary the might of the conglomerates um, and the growth of conglomerates and the high streets and how they can destroy small towns and cities, which happened in America and is sadly to say happening in this country as well.
0: Tony, you've know. sold it to me. It's Tony Marg, uh, who uh, runs an independent bookshop in Wellingarn City called, yeah, you guessed it, The Bookshop. Best of luck with that, Tony. Thank you very much. And, dear, listen, what was the last book you bought from a bookshop? The last book you bought from a bookshop. My last two were the uh, autobiography of the drummer from rock band Kiss. I know, I know. Uh, and um, a book about animals for my little boy. My dad kind of bought that, so... Uh, last one you bought. Now, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Razzini. <laughs>
17: Hello, good morning to you. It Certainly, is a very chilly start to the day today. Possibly some more wintry showers again. Had to get that in at the end of the forecast. That's we it,
0: we no. missed you yesterday. It was snowing, Elizabeth, and you—you know. you would have been in your element.
17: I—I I would have been really excited. Well, I was really excited, of course. Even I woke up to find uh, find a little dusting of snow. I know it's quite exciting, isn't it?
0: Oh, don't yeah. don't ever take a day off again, okay? Thank <laughs> okay. you very much, Elizabeth. Very quickly, some of, you, some of you have been buying books from bookshops. On Twitter, Scott Balcony says uh, The Psychopath Test by John Ronson. It's a good book, that. Uh, and Joseph Dudley, The Master and Margarita. Not a clue. And Lizzie Dilley says, I bought a book co- from a shop called Father Christmas Needs a Wee. Oh, dear. it, really, Lizzie. That's been a bit quiet from Australians phoning in. Come on. Folk, you owe us an apology. You've let the side down. We don't get an Australian phoning in by nine o'clock to apologise. This is literally war. Literally war. 08459 four double five five double five. Well, it turns out, loads of you, you've all been going bookshop crazy. Why are bookshops closing down? Matt bought a Game of Thrones. My mate's going to be in the series of a Game of Thrones. Yeah, I know. He plays a, yeah, he plays a man, right? Who, I've never seen it, spoiler alert, maybe, I don't know. He plays a man who can send his mind into an eagle. Does that make sense? Does that sound the kind of thing that would happen in a Game of Thrones? Yeah. He can send his mind into an eagle, and then, like, I guess, like, fly, and stuff. Uh, Cheryl bought Fifty Shades of Grey ages ago. Um... Uh, the, Nick says the Beano annual, 2012 um, Oh, look at you Don't send in your rude jokes, for goodness sakes you, don't, you can't buy that magazine in a bookshop So just just stop it, stop it 08459 oh, five, five, No, hang on, what's the phone number? Oh, wait. N- oh God, on my brain <laughs> oh, there's, there's some fives in it And a four, and I know there's a nine And definitely, 08459 oh, double five five double five. thank you isn't that funny? My, I, I'd, uh, the, the brain freeze there. If you want to give us a call, we're desperately looking for an Australian to call in and apologise for your shameful, shameful behaviour. Now, we recently told you, uh, last week I think, about traffic wardens in Kings Langley who were accused of parking illegally while they're dishing out tickets. The MP for Hemel Hempstead, Mike Penning, says he's got photographs of enforcement vans parked in disabled bays, across gateways and in bus stops. And there was a particular problem with wardens parking in the disabled bay outside Boots. I told Julie Laws, Cabinet Member for Parking at Decorum Borough Council, that she needed to do something about it.
18: We, we instruct our, um, uh, our civil enforcement officers um to park well they are julie parking restrictions to carry out their duties
0: julie take off take off your council hat for a second and talk (laughs) to me like a human being come on let's have a conversation for goodness sakes right tell them to stop parking in that one disabled parking bay outside a chemist
12: we do advise them to no don't advise and tell
0: them you you are responsible for parking you're the council member responsible for parking tell those wardens not to park there
18: i think i just did say earlier that i would speak to them and ask them and inquire about this 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 incident and inquire as to why that did happen and i am very happy to happy to come back to you um and explain that to you uh, why that particular incident um occurred
0: okay julie well listen can we check up on it in a couple in in a week's time Mm -hmm. and make sure that they're not parking there anymore
18: I will be able to advise
0: you more then, yes. All right, we'll speak to yeah, you. Isn't that interesting you. there? She said that she was happy to come back on. Well, how has she come back on? You'll find out in a second. Before that, though, let's speak to Jeff Falkins. He runs Dalling and Co. in the Village. Morning, Jeff. Good morning. It was a heated discussion. I,
19: I gather it was, yeah.
0: Well, the question is, the, 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 the thing that we focused on specifically with, uh, with Julie was uh, the disabled parking bay outside the Boots. Are they still parking there?
19: Oh, absolutely not. Have they stopped? Oh, yeah, not at all. This is, this is a victory! Absolutely. They're a good council. I, I mean, to be fair, I think you're getting in touch. They've, I don't think, to be fair, the council was really aware of what was going on. Right. And I, and I give them an awful lot of credit for, for having done that. They, they've been around. The warden's doing their job. Um, but they, to our anybody else in the village, just told me I've, what I've seen. They're parking in the local parking areas, like the, the parking uh, lots that are in the village. Um, albeit sometimes in the double yellow, but at least they're out of the way. And they're not obstructing. They're not you know they're not, they're not getting in the way of fire engines, ambulances, and disabled people. They're parking in space. are sort of flooding the laws they're trying to up uphold. And uh, I give the council a lot of credit. Well, Decorum has is... always acted really well with a lot of things, and this actually has just restored well, my faith. Then
0: Julie Lawson to Barrow Council, I thank you. And this, listen, you heard that, Jeff? She said she was more than willing to come back on the show.
19: Yeah, I give her an awful lot of credit. Yeah. I'm not surprised, though. Well, I, no, I'm, hang sorry. on. I'm, I'm, I'm tooting the trumpet now, but they're really, they generally are really good folks. You can toot t-
0: your trumpet, Jeff. She ain't come back on the show. She refused to come on the show. Oh. She declined to come on, but she sent us a, a, a statement. Now, uh, I've decided I'm not going to read any more statements from councils unless I really have to so have a listen to this Jeff. this is our lovely BBC Three Counties cleaner Ollie reading the statement from Decorum Borough Council
20: Thank you for the opportunity to come back to listeners about how civil enforcement officers carry out their duties in Kings Langley I've now looked into the concern raised about the enforcement officer parking his moped in a disabled bay and I'm satisfied that he did not park inappropriately. By the nature of their job, parking enforcement officers need to go to places where parking is difficult in order to enforce the parking restrictions. Restrictions that are in place for the safety and convenience of all road users. When carrying out their duty, there may be times that officers are required for safety reasons to park in restricted areas. However, we advise staff to consider other road users and park respectfully at all times. I'd also like to take this opportunity to reaffirm my offer to Mike Penning or any other listeners who may have concerns about parking enforcement in Decorum to talk to Decorum b- Borough Council directly so that we can work together directly. to give residents the best possible service.
0: Directly. Don't go to BBC Three Counties. Thank you, Ollie, our cleaner. Well, Jeff, it, it seems to have worked, but she still so- there, they could park in the disabled bay if they want. Jeff, would you be our eyes on the street
19: for us and, ke- and just keep a little nose out for this? Well, we're, we're certainly keeping an eye on it because it uh, I think it's a, that's an absurd, absurd statement yeah. to say that in, in the in the duty carrying out the duties to, to safely enforce the activity. And we watched three cars with disabled stickers on that particular occasion not able to yeah. park. So I don't know what they consider inconveniencing somebody, but um, they certainly, are, as I said earlier, they're not. You know, essential services, and they're they're making money, and they're the agent that uh, Vinci Parking is making money, in, and I just think that's wrong,
0: Jeff. Well, listen, that they've stopped for the moment. Let's celebrate that; that's fantastic. But the statement seems to imply they might start doing it again. So, Jeff, when they do, I think they think we're going to let this go. We're not. If they do, Jeff, give us a call. Get in touch. We won't let this one go. Don't say you're going to come on the show and then bottle out of it. Dearing me. But don't get council members. Listen, come on. Don't don't say you're gonna come on the show and then bottle out of it and advise our listeners to bypass us. We've seen what happens when they do that. Nothing. I like the pause she does there. She goes, I'll do it in a second. Here we go. She goes, BBC Three Counties Radio. Pause. Pause. First for news. It's Eliza Power, it's a power pause. I like it. That's how she got the job, because of the power pause. Thank you, Kathy. Morning. This is Inley, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's cold, I di- and I can't find my gloves. I'm on a glove hunt today. Glove hunt. I'm going to go and buy some. You don't need to know about that, but it's just a little bit of colour, isn't it? Really, it just feels like you're getting to know me a bit better. Oh, he hasn't got gloves. Cold hands. Must be a nice, nice guy. Ruffles. Thank you, Catherine. morning. This is Inley, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's cold, I di- and I can't find my gloves. I'm on a glove hunt today. Glove hunt. I'm going to go and buy some. You don't need to know about that, but just a little bit of colour, isn't it, really? It just feels like you're getting to know me a bit better. Oh, he hasn't got gloves. Cold hands. Must be a nice nice guy. Uh, Lots coming up in this hour of the show, including hundreds of litres of heating oil accidentally pumped into a Bedfordshire couple's home. Our reporter Justin Dealey is there to find out just how bad it really is. And if you want to hear Dealey sniff, keep listening. A hospital is left embarrassed after a prank call by Australian DJs. Did you find the hoax call to the Duchess of Cornwall outrageous or hilarious? Duchess of Cambridge, not Cornwall. Yeah, shame, shame. Let's not let's not, let's not give her different parts of the country. It's Cambridge, only Cambridge. Uh, and a Bletchley mum is worried about a mental health unit being built next door to her home. Do you think she's right to be concerned? 08459 455 555.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio. You're fired.
0: You're fired. You're fired. Whoever wrote the Duchess of Cornwall has failed the royal test that I insist all of my staff take. And honestly, if you're an Australian, phone up and apologise. i I'm Listen, I'm not going to make your life hard. I'm not going to make it... If we do not get an Australian, or... We've been doing this for now, and no-one's called him. Someone doing an Australian accent. I know, the BBC, probably not allowed to, but what the heck, they fired first. Sir, so they shot first. Either an Australian or someone doing an Australian accent. I want you to phone up and apologise, please. Otherwise, if we don't get that by nine o'clock, I am declaring war on Australia. And I can do that. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. Now, I find this this story is uh, incredible. A retired couple from Bedfordshire say their house needs to be demolished and rebuilt after 500 litres of heating oil. 500 litres of heating oil, yeah, was accidentally pumped into their foundations. Trevor and Elizabeth Piggott had to move out of their bungalow last Christmas and are still living in, a, in a rented accommodation. Well, we've sent uh, our smell and oil correspondent, Justin Dealey, to the house. You're there now, aren't you, Justin? Yes, Ian, I am indeed.
2: Um, I would describe this property as uh, as a crime scene, to be quite honest with you. Wowzers. Uh, coming here today, it's all cordoned off as you walk into the house. The warning signs are there. And joining me live here in our radio car is Trevor and Elizabeth Piggott. Um, Trevor, this all started your hell last December the 29th. Um, did you know straight away that something was wrong
21: yeah i i saw the tanker pull up outside and uh because of spillages earlier I, the hedge was dying back so i was going out to see the driver uh and met him come running up the drive asking me where our tank was and i said we haven't got an oil mm. tank we're on gas he said well i've just pumped 500 liters of oil into
2: it and this was meant to go to your neighbor not your property yeah, so so it. your house straight away
21: had toxic fumes going through it yeah, I just shouted to Elizabeth because uh, we could see the oil going down the side of the house. And I'm saying to Elizabeth, can you smell it? Can you smell it? And she said, yes, it's terrible. Yeah. And this was in minutes.
2: So clearly you've been living in a rented accommodation. Elizabeth, can you just describe our home for our listeners? Because I said to Ian a moment ago, uh, fr- from my point of view coming here this morning, being impartial about this, from what I can see, it looks like a crime scene. How would you describe the inside of your home right now?
17: Well it's covered in polythene sheeting, there are trenches, excavations uh, inside a, a few excavations. They've been full of water and contamination for eleven months now.'ve um, uh, there's been a hole through the external wall of our bathroom which has um, subjected the house to damp. Um, it's just It's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm
2: because Christmas coming up of course this happened last Christmas you must be, must be dreading Christmas
17: well Christmas won't be what it was put it that way Trevor, you're
2: taking this to the High Court. Now, it does get quite complicated here because GB Oils, the company who delivered this oil to your next-door neighbour, they've accepted liability for this. Now, you're saying that, that your property effectively needs to be knocked down and, and rebuilt, but the insurance company is saying, well, we think we can deal with this as it is. So so how do we currently stand here? Because it's it's you against your insurance company effectively, isn't
22: it?
21: Yes, but i The consultant, environmental consultant that is advising us um, has said that there's no way they can guarantee to remove all of the contamination. Uh, And our lawyer says that we have a very, very strong case.
2: So you're going to be taking this to the High Court. You've had enough. It's been going on for far too long. Do you think you will win that battle? Do you think that, that you'll get what you want? You want your house knocked down and started again? Because when you go into your property, you're saying the oil is still there. I don't care what insurance companies say to us. There is still oil in our property. We cannot live there.
21: Yeah, it, it's it's been registered with the environmental department that um, the 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 events happened. So any search of, of uh, people wanting to buy the property uh, will, will uncover that. So it's 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 the stigma that goes yeah. with it.
2: Elizabeth, life is full of twists and turns. You had this property on the market a couple of years ago. You had an offer for it, but you didn't accept it it's that case really of thinking what might have been at this moment in time isn't it really
17: yes quite definitely i mean trevor had been uh, very poorly at that time and uh, after heart treatment he was able to come off all his medication so we decided to stay put we had an offer but we decided to stay put this has been a fantastic location we have nine grandchildren this has been their private park we have five acres of land here. Um, and obviously we weren't really in a hurry to leave. Trevor's condition improved, so we decided to stay put for a little bit longer. And now this has happened. So
2: you've had 14 years of happiness. That This was your dream property. You don't want this property knocked down. You wanted it as it was. you have done absolutely nothing wrong. There you were last December, just minding your own business, enjoying Christmas. And, and you get this. It's been hell for you the last year, hasn't it?
17: Yes. Uh, we don't. All we want is to be replaced, put back in the position we were before this happened. We don't, it isn't our aim, we wouldn't choose to have the house knocked down, but if that's what it takes to remove all the contamination, that's what will have to be done.
2: Okay, just lastly, and very, very briefly on this as well, I've got a statement here from Lloyd's TSB, who insured your property. They say that we are confident that your home can be restored to its original state with no requirement for demolition, based on the advice that we have received from oil experts. Very briefly, what's your reaction to that?
17: Well, the last uh, report we had from Lloyd's TSB's oil expert says, and I quote, we are not trying to eradicate all contamination, for that is feasible and not necessary. We are looking to reduce this to an acceptable level of risk. That clearly doesn't return us to the position we were in before this incident occurred.
2: Thank you very much indeed for your time. Much appreciated. There you go. Uh, joining us live on the programme, Elizabeth and Trevor Pickett from their home here. I say it's their home. It's not anymore. They haven't been living here since since last December. It's all cordoned off and, of course, um, they're not happy with that statement and they'll be taking this battle to the High Court. So certainly more to come on this story, Ian, on BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Justin, excellent stuff as always. Thank you very much indeed.
1: This is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Now, two Australian radio DJs impersonated the Queen and Prince of Wales and a third impersonated the Corgis to trick hospital staff into giving them an update on Kate Middleton's condition. The chief executive of the private Edward VII Hospital says he regrets that the uh, the Duchess's privacy was breached. Well, Malcolm Brown is a journalist for the Sydney Morning Herald. Morning, Malcolm. Good morning. What's been the reaction to this in Australia?
15: Well, it's been widespread interest, there's been a, a split uh, between amusement on the one part and condemnation on the other, in particular the intrusion of the privacy of any woman who is in the early stages of pregnancy and going through what might be rather traumatic times. Uh, but uh, certainly uh, the, 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 there's not the uproar that you would find in, that is in Britain, it's it's, it's much more muted.
0: The, the royal family, aren't. they're not
15: that liked in Australia, are they? Well, it's, uh, there's certainly a growing Republican sentiment. Uh, uh, in 1954, when I first saw a Royal, there was a huge upsurge in uh, uh, feeling, national feeling. Uh, that's not so. And the last visit by Charles and Camilla was quite, the, the, the reaction was quite cool and moderate. The people were polite to them, but it was not a high-rating visit at all. There is, on the other hand, a great uh, interest in uh, uh, Wills and uh, Kate, and it's uh, it's got the fairy tale element about it. It's uh, it's perked up interest in the women's magazines and I don't think anyone in Australia would want anything other than a, a good marriage and, and a successor
0: Do you think that the,
15: the station involved uh, Two Day I believe
0: they're called that the, there'll be any repercussions for them?
15: Oh yes, well that, that's being debated now It's uh, there's certainly a, a mechanism within Australia for a complaint to the radio station Two Day FM uh, and now, if people are not satisfied with that response, they can then appeal to a newly created body, the Australian Communications and Media Authority, which has powers to adjudicate. Uh, just what offence these two have uh, committed is, is, is uh, up for debate. Uh, uh, obtaining information by false pretenses, I don't know if that's an offence at all. Uh, certainly, uh, gaining a benefit is. But uh, uh, the, the two uh, uh, they are now basking in their notoriety. Mm. Uh, and uh, others have done similar pranks in the past, such as at the APEC conference uh, three or four years ago, when uh, people managed to, some media people managed to smuggle Osama a, 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 a bin Laden lookalike into the security apparatus. That was, create, uh, was uh, greeted with a lot of humour. Uh,
0: Malcolm, listen, thank you very much. I, listen, can I put you on the spot, sir? We are yeah. desperately trying to find an Australian to apologise to the people of Britain. Would, would you like to
15: do that? Um... Uh, now, I, I cannot uh, put myself on the spot as representing the people of Australia. Uh, all, all I can do is to express very great regret at the upset that it must have caused.
0: That's a step forward. Malcolm, thank you very much indeed for, for your time. That's Malcolm Brown there, journalist for the Sydney Morning Herald and uh, all-round good sport. Thank you very much, Malcolm. Thank you very much indeed. 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. We've got a couple of texts and Facebook messages on that prank call. Uh, what them are. Mo- Australia. Australian's done. Ian, it's not a grotty world. This world is beautiful. Oh, we had a, a, a text early on saying that the, the, the world was grotty. It's the people in it that are grotty. The radio station should be ashamed. It was a thoughtless act. Katie may be wrong now, but she's still an expectant mother in her first trimester. Prank calls can be funny, but not that time, says Esther. And on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Hilarious. All that money uh, on the security and it doesn't work, says Trucker Steve ian i find it outrageous and hilarious i'm quietly amused followed by thinking yeah maybe that's not right Uh, that's from helen and Joni says not funny really she's pretty ill doesn't deserve that kind of prank having said that you'd think relatives would be given a code word or something you can't give the queen a code word your majesty when you phone up you'll say the word bollard and that will give you access you can't do give give the queen a code word or anything like that oh eight four five nine four double five five double five Now, a mum from Bletchley says she's concerned that her two children won't be able to play outside once a mental health unit is built next door to her house. It's been confirmed this week that a derelict pub on Wadden Way will be knocked down early next year. Then building work will start for the rehab centre for men with schizophrenia and depression. Carmele Prieto lives on the other side of the boundary fence. She joins me on on the line now. Good morning, Carmele. Good
22: morning. What are you so concerned about? well there are three main reasons of why i am concerned the first one is uh, if anyone has uh, checked the um, patient description Mm. that is in gambian's website uh, these patients will be section under the mental health act Mm -hmm. of 1983 uh, specifically on the section 3741 which uh, describes as uh, is a patient that is a uh, put in the hospital due to a court order issued by the crown court, which imposes a restriction order. This restriction order is to is imposed to protect the public from serious harm. Okay,
0: that's point one. What that's give us point, point two?
22: One. Point two is that uh, Gambian's reputation has uh, been a stain in the past. Uh, when I find try to find out what was to be like uh, living in a in a proximity of a this kind of premises, I find out that Cambian didn't follow their own rules, they didn't treat patients as they should, that created that, uh, they didn't give one-to-one
0: care. Cambian is, of course, just say for those who don't know, they're, they're the, the company uh, behind uh, this centre, aren't
22: they? Yes, yes, yes. And the reputation of, uh, you know, they okay. didn't treat it properly, which... Okay. We just
0: have to be very ke- a little bit careful about what we say about the accusations, because they're not on yeah, the yeah, show...
22: Everything is in the internet, you only oh, have okay, to cast well, d- d- Don't cast that. D- Trust anything I
0: read on the internet. Well, what's the, what's the third the, thing?
22: It's the, it's the papers. Okay, the, the, audience, the third so. thing, Carmelo? Yes?
0: No, is it this, the well, third it, point it, you're worried about?
22: This uh, implies that uh, shouting, screaming, panic alarms going on day at night, 24 7, and also that the patios, the, the site, the patios are really small. The site is very small. And the patios are really close to our properties.
0: Okay. Kamali, well, listen, we've got, Kamali, we've got Steve McNay from the Mental yes. Health Charity Mind uh, uh, in Milton Keynes. with me in the studio. Morning, Steve. Good morning, Anne. You heard a few of the, 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 the worries there. Let's deal with two of those.
11: Uh, th- what does it mean when people are sectioned under the mental health order? Are they dangerous? Uh, n- mostly not. Um, I mean, Section 3741, Carmel is absolutely right. It's a Home Office section where people are supervised to ensure that they're compliant with their treatment and that they are looked after and right. supervised effectively. And I think part of the anxiety with anything like this is you just don't know what's going to happen. Mm. And I can totally understand where Carmela's anxieties are coming from because this is something very new. Um, very unknown and people don't really understand what the situation is mm. with with particularly schizophrenia and depression um just what this means for them living nearby um so i mean from from my point of view people under section are actually far more closely supervised than people not under section so in many ways they're going to be very well looked after and mm. very well supported to make sure that they are complying with treatment and doing what they need to do another point Carmeli was worried about was panic alarms and screaming and shouting going off 24 7 um, w- without knowing, it, it, it's hard to say. What I can say uh, with some surety, I've been working in mental health services in Milton Keynes for a number of years. There are six or seven um, schemes of this type dotted around the city, and most people simply don't know they're there. And
0: are, are they as close to, to uh, houses, to residential properties?
11: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Most of them are, are bog-standard houses in their communities that happen to house people who have got some mental health needs.
0: Carmelo, what, what exactly are you worried well, what are you worried about exactly? It's, it's your kids playing in the back garden, is it?
22: Exactly. They, the site is really small. The building is, that they are planning is quite a bit large. Mm. Therefore, it's not leaving much space outside for the patients to do their activities. They're planning to do um, a therapy patio. Fence with fence with me. Mm therefore my children they got uh, trampolines they got um climbing frames they're going to be able to see through that 2.4 meter right. fence. so what i have to do is remove the trampoline remove everything but what are you, what, you worry, what are you worried what do you think
0: they're going to see Well, they uh, they're just going to well, see some men aren't they what, sorry they're just going to see some men
22: no no it's not that but i'm worried and the feedback that i've got i never been living near a place like this so my the feedback that i got is what has happened in another places in in this country where this company is running these these facilities therefore my feedback is not very positive
0: what do you i'm just i'm just trying to pin down what do you think if your kids bouncing on their trampoline and they look over the fence
22: yeah what happens if one of them has an episode and start shouting, screaming, swearing. It's not something that has not happened in the past. Okay,
0: it's a good point. It's a good point, Steve. What if, if one of these gentlemen has an episode and, and,
11: and goes off on one? Uh, <clears throat> it may well happen. Um, I think, you know, part, part of my argument, I suppose, would be prior to this, it was a pub. Um, I think there is probably far more likelihood of, of, of noise and swearing and drunkenness and, and aggression from a, a pub a than there is. Pardon.
22: We may be... Uh, working-class people, but I think that comparing that to before he was a pub and he was worse, what happened? We don't deserve to live in a place better?
11: No, well, no I'm not saying that at all, Carmela. What, what, what I'm saying, I suppose, is that... No, no, I think the, the, that you left
22: it very clear. No, no, Carmela, let me the just clarify. Let me say I, th-
11: I think my point was that, that, that wherever you are there are times when people will act inappropriately shout and scream and, and, and so on and so forth what we're talking about here is, is a supported unit where when these things happen there are people there to deal with them rather than people being not supported living on their own and, and wandering around the place shouting and screaming without any help without any backup and without anywhere for you to go when you've got concerns I, I do honestly understand exactly where you're coming from and, and, and and understand the, the uh, just not knowing what's going to happen in the future is as much as anything, uh, something's going to cause anxiety. I would encourage you to, to and I would encourage Cambion um, to work with you and the other, n- <coughs> sorry, excuse me, and the other neighbours around to try and find the best way of of this unit becoming part of the community that it's that it's within. What would, Please, you, don't what, don't Carmella, what would what would reassure you? What would you what would you like to see done?
22: I don't want you to take me wrong. I really know that I've been doing research on those illnesses, and I know that properly treated. There is no anything dangerous, and they can be really good neighbours, very quiet, and they integrate in the community really nicely. My concern is the reputation that Gambian has. Okay. I I don't want
0: to keep going. I I really can't keep going on about Gambian just because they're not here. Are you worried that something dangerous is going to happen?
22: Well... Because you only have the example in the same north, I think it was Doncaster as well, where a person with a schizophrenia that wasn't treated properly killed a, a teenager okay. in the park.
0: Okay, S- Steve, it's something dangerous I mean. happening. That's, that's a, a, a decent something fear. It's something that has
22: not been treated properly. Okay, that's, 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 that's a, that's
0: a, point a point Let me just ask, put that to Steve. That's a decent
11: fear to have, isn't it? Is, is that
0: possible that, could, that that could happen?
11: I think has brought up a very, very good point. This is somebody who wasn't treated. Mm. And that's why I think, you know, the, the Section 3741 is quite an important part here. This is, these are people who, who are going to have to be monitored and treated as part of the conditions of them being there. Um, so I think it's unlikely that people are going to be untreated here mm. um, and therefore are going to have the, the necessary support and medication where appropriate and talking therapies and all of those other things that go to make up positive mental health. Steve, would you want to live next door to a place like this? I do.
0: Really? You yes. feel comfortable, with you? I,
11: I live next door to two of the big uh, mental health units in Milton Keynes. I live on Eaglestone, and um, th- there's never been a problem for me. But then I come from a, a slightly different um, viewpoint, I suppose, because it, it's kind of what I do it in. So.
0: Why is there this, do you think, there's this um,
11: fear around mental illness? I think it's it's exactly the same as as has been saying. It's the fear of the unknown. Mm. I think it's really it's really positive to hear um, that Carmel has gone out and done the research mm. and found out about these things. I was at the original um, uh, planning meeting where um, West Bletchley Council, which is the the area that, that we're talking about, had a meeting, a public meeting, and some of the uh, some of the misinformation that was going around was really quite frightening. And I think what we get in the media, particularly, is. The Doncaster situation where somebody with schizophrenia has killed somebody. 93% of, 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 of killings in this country are people who haven't got mental health problems. Yes, 25% of the population of Britain have got a mental health need. You know, you, you can do the maths. These are going to be people who are going to be well supported. I think that, you know, we, we've worked with, with, with Cambion to try and say, look, these are the anxieties, these are the fears. You've got to engage with your community. You've got to talk to the people who you're going to be living next to. Mm. Um, and, and I really hope that they, they, they pull finger and get this started
22: i think that maybe sorry if i may say one little thing i think that as well is part of the problem gambian organized a meeting about two years ago when they were going to put their planning permission we haven't here since they have completely abandoned the site it's been live gas live electricity the pub well, it's been a squatters in there. So
0: Carmella, have you, have you been in touch with, with uh, Cambion to see if they could perhaps organise an evening for all the neighbours to come round and um, express I'm their fears? Isn-
22: I don't know how to contact them, but they know how to contact me.
0: Well, I'm sure that, listen, I'm I'm sure that they have a website with an email or a phone number. Why don't you try and get in touch and say, look, we live next door. Some of the neighbours are a little bit concerned. Could we meet up one evening for a couple of hours and you you do your best to reassure us?
22: I have done research in the website as well. And the only thing that they are there is to refer from NHS um, to be treated and I don't need to be treated at
0: the moment, I okay. may in, uh, well in the future. Well, you will see how that goes. Carmele, listen, thank you very much. We'll, we'll follow this story if we yeah. can, if you don't mind. Yes, uh, okay. Okay, stay there for a second, because I think we might be getting... There is a phone number on their website, apparently, Carmele. So why don't you try giving that a call?
22: Um, as I said, I will prefer to wait for them. To well, then, if you're going to wait
0: for them, they're, you, 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 they're not going to get in touch with you. Why don't you get in touch? You be proactive. Get in touch with them, chase them, and demand a meeting where they can do their best to put your mind at
22: ease. Be proactive, Carmela. Listen, don't talk to me about proactivity. least <laughs> uh, I think that full working mum with children and dealing with all this, I think I've been quite proactive.
0: Okay. Well, I'm just suggesting if you want to give them a phone call uh, and see if you can arrange a meeting. Okay,
22: I might, but as I said, you don't feel like being proactive when you've been treated like that.
0: Okay, listen, come on. I've got to, I've got to go. I've got to read a, a statement from Cambion. Um, they didn't want to do an interview. They've sent us a statement. Cambian concluded the purchase of the White Heart site in the summer this year. We are committed to progress of the development of this site to build a specialist mental health rehabilitation hospital for men. We aim to start work on the site in 2013, and we'll keep the local community informed of our plans when they've been finalised. Uh, listen, thank you very much Steve for coming in and, uh, and, and putting forward the, the, the case there. Uh, 08459 four double five five double five. I guess the question Question is: Would you feel comfortable living next to a mental health unit? Uh, permission to speak freely. I'd rather live next to that than a pub. I really would. I would have no interest in living next door to a pub, but a supervised mental health unit. How would you feel? <coughs>
1: Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text charged at the standard network rate.
0: This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, 7.33. It's flipping cold out there. Uh, Lots coming up in the next half hour, including people living in part of Luton are fed up with drug dealers, pimps and prostitutes. They've had enough. It's a story we've been following very closely on this programme. The councillors who represent Hightown are going to be joining me on the show next. I'll be uh, finding out what they're doing to tackle the problem. And on a completely different tangent, as we often do when did you last buy a book from a bookshop the last bookshop in watford is due to close waterstone says it's for commercial reasons uh you can send us a text 81333 uh, or give us a call 08459 four double five, five double five. now in a story we've been following here on breakfast and one which uh, every time i speak to the residents living in high town area of luton uh, they, they really do have some amazing stories uh, of what they have to put up with it's the growing problem of drug dealing pimps and prostitution
4: you see every kind of um, human dereliction that you could never believe was possible and having sex up people's front doors um it goes on round the clock so people taking their children to school can can see it and this is what we have to live with and this is what um azalea and the counsellors should come and be this is where they should be putting their sympathy with us and they should see what this is what their clients do to
10: us once it starts getting dark, you know, you're always having to look out of who's coming into the shop. You're always having to look out the window, you know. And there's also customers who come in complaining about people coming into their cars when they're stopping. You know, you're, you you face verbal abuse from them sometimes, and even at times, there's been physical as well. They bring in all sort of crimes into the area.
0: Well, on Monday night, a meeting took place between uh, residents, the council and the police. Roxana Whitaker and Andy Malcolm are the councillors who represent Hightown and you're at Monday night's meeting. Morning. Thank you for coming in. Morning. Uh, Now, you heard that audio, Roxana. People there in their cars, residents finding people having sex in their doorways and in the rubbish chutes, people taking their kids to school can see it. What are you going to do to stop it?
23: Well... We've been part of a long-term strategy sh- since we've been councillors back in May 2011, um, working with partners, the police, um, the council, um, anyone else that is able to help with that sort of thing. Don't
0: read that, and don't read it, you're reading something. Why are you reading something?
23: And we're committed to working, um, w- we're committed to continuing working Speak to on me, this let's have a conversation.
0: So what are you going to do about it?
23: We're already uh, working with the police, yep. and that's around, and as um, you heard some from Ollie yesterday, around... Uh, trying to catch the curb crawlers, yep. trying to get the drugs off the street and off of out of properties in Hightown. Yep. Um, and the most exciting development for me recently has been the police committing a full-time sergeant to the post specifically to look at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The big thing from the council point of view is the new developments around the ASBRAC process, which is the antisocial behavior um, committee um, to help people who are suffering with antisocial behavior so it 's very victim focused and obviously that 's exactly what we need for high town for the residents that are suffering um, and what are you doing to
24: stop the prostitution there well, as Roxana has already outlined, quite well she a mentioned lot. the curb crawlers, but not the prostitutes well. So, what I would say is you've got to take a broad and balanced approach, and Mike Colborne, who's the, dep- who's the chief inspector yeah. in Luton, is very good at talking about this. You've got to take an approach which actually solves the problem over a long-term period. Right. I don't want a prostitute
0: having sex up against my door
24: or in my rubbish chute, so what are you going to do about that? Well, so on the rubbish chutes, that is something the council can do something. So, lots of these are police issues, but right. there are some okay, council so issues as well. Okay, what are you going to do about well?
25: that? So,
24: with regards to rubbish chutes, we have got um, bin men now with keys, and they should be able to lock them, and that's only something that has recently come about, so we're still in the process of getting that into a situation that's actually working, because at the moment some of them are sometimes being left open, and obviously okay. we're still How long talking to people about that. Well, hopefully, very quickly, we should be Before keeping Christmas? going back to the... I'm not going to be able to give you specifics, Well,
0: I? you're the council. I, I, I was hoping you would be able to give me specifics. I don't know why that seems like a, a, a silly question to ask a specific of when you're, you, you think you'll be able to stop well, it, prostitutes it, having sex in it rubbish It should suits. be
24: working from now. Right. But there are always going to be people who forget to do things that they're meant to do. You can understand why jobs. people are upset about this. I'm sure you this. forget to do things in your job. I, don't,
0: I, I would not forget <laughs> to lock a chute if I knew that there were prostitutes having sex in it and it was upsetting the local residents. I wouldn't forget
24: that, no. Well, so... Of I course. forget my car keys, I forget things like that. I don't forget to stop prostitutes having sex in, in bins. Well, that's not part of your job, though, is it? So, what I would say is, we are talking to the council. I, I,
0: I don't know why we... you're finding this well, funny, because the I'm residents not... aren't finding this funny. I'm not finding this funny. But you're making slightly flippant comments about it, and the residents are few... Have a listen, I'm... this is what the residents said about the council.
10: I've spoken to Roxanne. It, it took quite a long time for her to actually get... to see me. I spoke to her, and, um, She mentioned that, you know, that she's having talks with the police... It was just after that, when I spoke to a few other people, I found out that these these councillors, so-called councillors, MPs, actually support, run some sort of organisation which gives these street workers a place where they can come and eat and clean and food and sort of, you know, I feel, encourages them. But, and I was disgusted with that. I, I really am appalled that, you know, on the one hand, they are... Um, saying that they are trying to help the area, but on the other hand, they're part of it.
4: Well, they're Roxana Whittaker and they're Andy Malcolm, and yes, I've had a lot of of contact with them and they just see me as a, a i think an eccentric thorn in their side and in my view they do not care really well i wouldn't say don't care but they're not really interested in what goes on with um us who have to live with the vice that they are so keen to help and we do feel like prisoners and we don't feel like the police or the council care about us having to be prisoners but um i feel like pray
24: strong words yeah very strong words what i would say is we are very interested in the residents and we are here to help and support the residents we know i think i recognize two of the three voices there and we've met well roxanne has met the first person we've met the second person together we've done a walk around in their area we've looked at all the issues and we're going away and trying to do things about the things that we can do things about as councillors it's as simple as that really
0: Residents have spoken, Roxana, on uh, saying, "How can you work for the residents of the High Town on the issue of prostitution when you work for the charity in High Town that supports prostitutes with clothes and food?"
23: I don't see any conflict in those two. Do you not really? Really, absolutely. There was no way I would do it if I didn't. Uh, I think the important thing to they would say you're
0: encouraging prostitution.
23: I know, and I think that comes from a misconception of what Azalea does.
0: Tell us what Azalea does.
23: azalea is a christian charity and we work to share the love of god with women and children involved in prostitution um and i think the evidence shows we've helped six women exit that means they're not working on the streets they don't live in luton anymore they're not using drugs and it's part of the broader strategy to Get this problem away from High Town, and that the two things go hand in hand. Why can't they
0: just
24: be taken off the streets? Would you like someone having sex up against your front door?
0: Have heard that's Abso- happened?
23: Absolutely not. So why they can't, can't we be stop taken
24: it? off the streets? Because if you prostitution is only a finable offense so the police could take them and fine them right. but it only exacerbates the problem because it means that they need money to pay their fines and so what are they going to do So we should not we shouldn't fine prostitutes for well, having sex up against doors It's not a it's not an approach that works in the long term. So and that what is the what the police talk about taking a broad and balanced approach. The approach is letting it go on, is going, no, it's taking a broad and balanced approach to address the issues of drugs that are very much behind this and the supply issues that's going to take years to, to stop the, the punters them. who come and bisex on the streets, right? Those are what the program seeks to That's address, and years. antisocial be- behavior issues the street, that the women can be involved in. If I lived so in we're the street, seeking to address all of these in a balanced I, way, I'm going to finish. That means that we can I'm well, well get let this me, me
0: finish. Well, no, because what you're, what you're saying is this is going to take years. This is going to take years. If you're going to st- try and help their drug problems, this is going to take years. There are people having sex up against people's doors. There are women who can't walk out of their houses because they are being approached and asked if they're working. There are people whose kids have seen prostitutes having sex. Mike That Colborne. is not appropriate. Mike Colborne. That is not appropriate, no, is it's, it? it's not. It's, it's not. not Mike Colborne. Then how are you going very, to stop it?
24: He was very explicit at the meeting on Monday that if residents or anyone feels vulnerable, like they are in danger... Then they need to call nine nine nine. But they've been like, doing. But they've, that they've is been what feeling the police vulnerable are for years. years. And that's a police issue.
0: They've been feeling vulnerable for years. This hasn't changed. This is not getting any better.
23: Well, we've been around for 18 months and we're doing everything yeah. that we can to change it. And we can't do anything about what's happened in the past, but we can do our best to work for the residents now. With a
0: slow, long-term it, plan. There
23: is, there is no quick works. answer to this. It, we want a well, sustainable it, it solution.
0: Andrew, uh, uh, the, the, sorry, it, it obviously isn't working, is it? Because well, there are we've... still people having sex in shoots. There are still people having sex up against front doors. So it's not working, is it?
24: But it's what works over the long term. How long is the long term? The long You're th- talking years. The problem. We're talking years. But it's it, it works. Like over years. Research so you got to five year old This kiddie. is how you address There'll these problems. They'll be 12 problems. by the time it's finished. But there's research, so that this is how you address these problems. You should go and live there. Go but and live there for a We live very live in close. Our town. Go and have someone having sex up against your door. See how you like how, it. How can I? Of
0: course, we that? don't like but it. But then, you, but then you cannot say. You cannot think it's acceptable for, to say to the residents, "We've got a plan. Don't worry, we've got a plan. It's going to take years, but we've got a plan."
23: If you if you have a better idea, then let us know. Lock them all up. Uh, we, well,
0: you've you can't to do that. Right? It's how
24: a, that it's a Go, on, go and find them.
0: Go and find them. Keep finding them. Keep finding them, and then they'll stop doing it. No,
22: that's that, that isn't that, what that happens. That's not if what he,
0: happens. If you look into your research in your book, don't live in the real world. Go and live in the real world. Research Here's is based upon the real, the real world. world. June. June. June, June, you live in Hightown. Morning, June. Are you there? I am listening to it. What, yeah. what do you reckon? Speak to Andy and
24: Roxana. Morning, June.
26: Oh, Morning, Andy. Uh, uh, morning, Roxana. Hi, June. Um, Right, there's not much I can put to it that they don't already know about. Um, Like I say, I've had this, I live over the car park. I'm going to come open now, I don't care who hears it and who knows me now. Uh, I live over the car park, I've been here since 1990. I have had sex workers, drug addicts, people sniffing the heroin or whatever it is they do, all underneath my window. I've got a 23-year-old grandson that I brought up when his mother died, when he was one. Oh well, i Continuously looked out my window. Nan, what's that lady got her legs out for? Nan, what's that man doing to that woman? I've had men underneath my window masturbating. Well, so June, I've June, had it.
0: June, listen, they've, they've got a plan, though.
26: Oh, they've had a plan. I've had a plan since 1970, when I was only a, a, a little bit younger then, right? And I've gone to all the councillors, all the MPs, you name it, from 1990. I've been told to keep away from me window, get the kids away from the window. There's no need to. You, if you can't get sleep at night, you can sleep during the day. I don't know how when I was going to work, but. Um, and it's gone on and it's gone on and it's gone on. Um, I would not go to Roxana because I haven't got no faith in MPs because over the years they haven't done Well, nothing. she's
0: not an MP. She's well, a, 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 a councillor, yeah, yeah. A
26: councillor. Um, and I had a word with a few of the residents and they all said the same thing. Don't, June, don't bother going to them. They don't do anything. And I said, right, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to go to them. See whether they do help or they don't help. I went against all the residents, and I went and I went to Roxana and I went to Andy. Now I've done most of my correspondence on the phone with Roxana. Andy, I've met. I, I met in the Ardell one day coming out the uh, coming out of Tesco's. I said, Andy, can I have a word. Oh, I'm going on holiday tomorrow, June. Can you take it over to Roxana? Roxana's there. She knows I'm not lying, right? So I've done all my dealing. Well, I will not say dealing. I think it's yeah. about the last six months with Roxana.
0: And, June, listen, we'll we'll come back to you in a second. I've got to go to the travel. We'll come back in a second and find out exactly what happened. Now, joined in the studio by Roxanna Whitaker and Andy Malcolm, councillors who represent Hightown. Thank you very much for coming in. And on the line, we've got June, who lives in Hightown. June, let's get to the the crunch. (coughs) What what do you want the, the councillors to do?
26: Um. Well, I've like I say, I, I've I'm the one that does ru- ring Roxana. I'm supposed to get update on it, which I don't. They're supposed to come back and give me update, yeah, but they don't. I ring- you're ring pulling a Rux face
0: on. there, Roxana, as though you're, you're, you're not supposed to give an update. Is that right? No, I don't. Uh, hang, on, ju- update. <laughs> <Unless> <laughs> I hang on, unless well, J- I don't June, get June, Hang on a second. You're it. saying you you don't need to.
23: Of course, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I do update her, and June and I have had lots of contact. When was the last time you updated her? Well, there was a meeting on Monday, which she was at.
0: Okay, so you've been updated, June.
23: Uh, there was a meeting on Monday, and I was told to shut
26: up and get outside. and I walked outside with Tony Savano from the council. Who did the- you?
0: Okay, look, you, you, Roxanna, you're pulling faces at that?
23: I certainly did not tell you did. June to shut up.
26: You did? You came. You left your seat, you came right through the meeting, you came over to me because I was whispering down Tony's ear because I'd got the paperwork in front of me to prove I was telling the truth and they hadn't got the proper information. And you left your seat, came over with your authority hat on, which I was... You really shocked me at Roxanne. I
24: took Roxanne, you under what my did wing you, like a oh, June, 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 calm down. Andy, yes. Can I just say, at that point in the meeting, yeah. June had asked and raised this and we'd actually moved on to someone else raising mm. another issue. Right. So what was, so said, to, what was because, said to June? Because June had moved over to talk to someone, it, I think Roxana went over and said could you have this conversation Roxanna, what outside you so, you tell us what you said? so that we can have one meeting where the person Roxanna, who's turn is can raise I, their...
23: I asked student. if um, either they could have the conversation later or have the conversation outside because I wanted to make sure that all the residents got heard in the meeting.
0: June, what, what you tell tell us now?
26: What do you want them to do? Um, well, uh, basically, what I want them to do is to keep in touch with the council. I mean, I am in touch with the council with a guy um, f- um, called Tony Savano. Mm-hmm. I was told at least six months ago when I took this problem up with, with Roxana, yeah, and Gavin Sugar, actually, um, and I was told from that meeting straight away, as soon as I mentioned it. Um, I want the car park closed at night so I can have a sleep because, magically I am really bad. And I was told straight away from antisocial, oh, they, they won't close the car park. The car, straight away, without a question. Can the car park be closed? We are... We won't close the car park. June,
24: hang on a second. We are going through a process looking at whether the car park can be closed. Uh-huh. Some residents or some people who use the car park have objected Pro- to it being closed overnight. Prostitutes. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> OK. Because they are using it overnight to have sex in there. But some people who use the car park who and not prostitutes have objected right. to it being closed overnight so it means it takes a longer period of time so we're working through a process to look at whether it's a wise thing to do or not okay well listen uh, june listen thank you very much for coming on june we're going to follow okay. this closely don't worry that we spoke to the pcc commission, we had ollie martin
0: on yes. yesterday uh, he's going to come back on the show in a month's time to uh, with local residents
24: talk about what's been done do you two want to come on we rather the problem with coming on the radio is that it advertises that there are women working on the streets. Well, we know that. everyone knows that. Punters. No, no, no. no, well they
0: don't. I mean, everyone but knows that there are people prostitutes who are listening out
24: there. To this, will know now.
0: We're not an advert it- for
24: prostitutes. That's a very
0: weak argument. Would you like to come on the show in a, in a month's time with some residents and speak to some residents? Yes no, or
23: no? We'll be in contact with residents constantly, <laughs> and we encourage asking the
0: question. No. yes or no?
23: But we encourage residents to get in touch wow. with us and to contact Can us in all the thing? different. Um, formats that they can call us email us come to our surgeries on oh, thursday yeah. morning from 10am oh, okay. to 11am in high town um, so if you, you can't make that we're happy to come and meet you anywhere else
0: so you wouldn't like to come on with ollie martin and a couple of residents in a month's time to to talk about the situation
23: No, because we want to tackle the solution and we don't think that that would be part of it because all of those people we're more than happy to constantly be in contact with.
0: But by by being on here, you can speak to all of those people and more in one fell swoop instead of dealing with emails and phone calls back and forth.
23: We don't need to talk to everyone. We only need to talk to the residents that are affected by this really traumatic problem. And we are in contact with them. And there are many different formats that we can talk to them in. Can
24: I just add one thing? Um, At the meeting on Monday... Um, some people raised issues with the high street and actually a bit of a good news story is since we've been councillors we've also been part of a thing called a high town team and we've managed to get £10,000 to uh, provide some environmental and creative improvements to the high street so hopefully we'll see some improvements coming along the high street over the next so year or two. We've got some daffodils, really daffodils coming along and
0: some, some flower boxes but we have still got prostitutes having <laughs> sex on in, against people's doorways and we women We're, being hassled in I was the was street just making and the point people's children seeing on, and people's seeing people have sex
24: and take drugs in the car park. So that's still happening. Well, we're addressing all of those issues with the police, but we're also doing other things, and I just wanted to point out that Hightown has also lots of residents. Roxana, you don't fancy Andy? Do you want
0: to come come on in in, uh, January?
24: I would agree with Roxana that it's actually unwise for us to come on again because actually we're in contact with all of the residents that we've spoken to this morning, and if there are any other residents out there, we would love to be in contact with them and meet them and happy for them to come to our surgery or to go around the... Thank you very much for coming in now, this
0: morning. It's appreciated. Alexander Whittaker, Andy Malcolm, councillors who represent Hightown, and thank you very much. wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number if you want to give us uh, a call on that.
1: Every weekday afternoon from 3, Roberto Peroni. Do they
27: mimic other things as well, other sounds? Yes, they will. My parrot had a very nasty habit of farting.
21: <laughs> Thank the Lord, I haven't got a parrot at home. So ginger is offensive. It's red, 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 not ginger, red. I notice you're using the term red there, not ginger.
1: Roberto Peroni. It's uh, 4 99 a metre. So I said to the lad,
12: I
27: want five metres. He's got a calculator on his balls, pimples on his face, and he
21: went
27: uh, £82. £82. £82? I
1: said, you what? Can <laughs> you do your sums in your mind? Roberto Peroni, weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Now, Waterstones in... Moving on, he said, as the uh, the electricity in the studio slowly dissipated. Uh, Waterstones in Watford is closing down due to commercial reasons. It's the last bookshop to shut in the town, leaving only charity bookshops. The last day of trading for the big store will be Christmas Eve, meaning all of the staff will lose their jobs. But why is the demise of the bookshop so prevalent in the town after borders only closed last year? Well, Richard Harrington is uh, MP for Watford and also Chief Executive of the Chamber of Commerce in the town. He joins me now. Morning, Richards. Morning,
28: Richard. Good morning.
0: It's a shame that there won't be any bookshops in the town. There's, there's nothing like wandering through a bookshop having a little browse, is there?
28: Well, that's absolutely right, Ian. But the problem is plenty of people wander through, but then they go home and buy their books on Amazon. Mm. That's the problem. And um, I'm very sorry about it, because I used to go to Waterstones a lot. But being honest with myself, I'd go to Waterstones think, well... You know, buy a book or so, but when you get home, you think it's just so easy. You know, you sort of lie in bed or sit around and you, c- you can order books in three minutes. And they're there the following day. And I'm afraid, unfortunately, it's just the way of the world.
0: It's interesting because it's happening in Watford, but the, in smaller places, it's not happening like, like in Hitchin.
28: Well, I'm, I'm hoping because the problem in Watford is there was no. Niche bookshops it was all it was just Wallstones, mm. which are a very good general bookshop but we're hoping with the development of the new charter place development where there is ample space for smaller more niche retail that somebody will decide to open a bookshop but at the end of the day it works if people patronize it mm. and local people have got to decide well i'm going to go out of my way to buy a book from Um, that bookshop, because it helps local employment and the local economy. Fortunately, we've lots of small businesses in Watford, and the load's coming into the town, but I'm really sorry there won't be a bookshop.
0: (laughs) What are rents like in the Harlequin? Are they a bit pricey,
28: perhaps? They are. They're they're very high, and I think rents and business rates are a major obstacle to people for opening up shops, but at the end of the day, I think we all know it's the internet shopping and mm. the discounts that people get and kindle and all of the other things that everyone's using but you know it's a bit like Woolworths when they closed down everybody was very sad and then i go up to people and say well when's the last time you actually bought anything from Woolworths?" Mm. of course they hadn't but they had an emotional attachment to it because it had always been there but i'm very sorry about this i feel quite sad about it and partly to blame with everyone who hasn't bought enough from them
0: richard what book are you reading at the moment
28: <laughs> I'm actually. It's not a Jilly I'm Cooper. A it's not Fifty Shades of, of Grey. I'm is reading it? a book called Education, 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 which is by Andrew Adonis, the last Labour Education Minister, which is a very good book. And, uh, If anyone's interested in schools and things, they should read it.
0: Richard, thank you very much for coming on this morning. I speak to you. There we go, Richard Harrington, MP for Watford. Okay, well, we got a statement from Waterstones. They didn't want to speak, but they gave us this. While we're in the business of opening bookshops and keeping them open, occasionally we do have to close a branch for commercial reasons, which is the case here. We would like to thank our booksellers, whom we hope to redeploy to other branches where possible. Last book you bought in a bookshop, please, where you went into a bookshop... Picked something up when I'm taking that bad boy home with me. Morning, Ian Lee. Eight o'clock, Thursday. It's cold. If you've only just tuned in, you've missed. We uh, <laughs> you missed a fight. Basically, you missed a punch-up. You missed a brawl. Uh, I thoroughly recommend you go back to the uh, iPlayer and have a listen from about seven thirty. If you've got time for the whole show, listen from seven thirty. Hey, yay, yay. Lots coming up in the last hour of the show before JVS comes in at nine and does his thing, including story you heard in the news there with Catherine. Hundreds of litres of heating oil has been accidentally pumped into a Bedfordshire couple's home. They say the house should be demolished and rebuilt, but they're having a battle with their insurance company. We'll find out whether they've got unrealistic expectations. A hospital is left embarrassed after prank call by Australian DJs. Did you find the hoax call to the Duchess of Cambridge outrageous or hilarious? And if you're an Australian, could you phone up and apologise, please? And what was the last book that you bought from a bookshop? You can go to facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send us a text. 81333, starting your text 3CR, or, and there are a couple of lines free I can see on the screen in front of me, now's a good time to call 08459 455 555.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: A retired couple from Bedfordshire say their house needs to be demolished and rebuilt after 500 litres of heating oil was accidentally pumped into the foundations. Trevor and Elizabeth Piggott had to move out of their bungalow last Christmas and are still living in rented accommodation. Well, earlier on in the show, our reporter Justin Dealey spoke to them.
21: I saw the tanker pull up outside. Met him come running up the drive, asking me where our tank was. And I said, we haven't got an oil tank. We're on gas. He said, well, I've just pumped 500 litres of oil into it.
2: And this was meant to go your neighbor not your property so so your house straight away had toxic fumes going
21: through it yeah i just shouted to elizabeth because i uh, we could see the oil going down the side of the house and i'm saying to elizabeth can you smell it can you smell it and she said yes it's terrible yeah and this was in minutes So clearly you've been living in rented
2: accommodation. Elizabeth, can you just describe our home for our listeners? From from my point of view coming here this morning, being impartial about this, from what I can see, it looks like a crime scene. How would you describe the inside of your home right now?
17: Well, it's covered in polythene sheeting. There are trenches, excavations uh, inside, a a few excavations. They've been full of water and contamination for 11 months now. They've... um, Uh, There's been a hole through the external wall of our bathroom Which has um, subjected the house to damp Um, It's just, it's heartbreaking Mm.
2: Because Christmas coming up of course This happened last Christmas You must must be dreading Christmas
17: Well, Christmas won't be what it was, put it that way. Well, you can tell they were very upset.
0: The couple say the smell cannot be removed by repairs or refurbishment of the property, and they think it should be demolished. Lloyd's TSB, who insured the house, told us they're confident that Mr and uh, and Mrs Piggott's home can be restored to its original state with no requirement for demolition, based on the advice they received from oil spill remediation experts. Well, joining us now is insurance journalist John Guy. Morning, John. Morning. Does this couple have an unrealistic expectation on their insurance company?
29: Well, I think it really depends on, on what, the, what their contract is. But, as I said, I think one of the issues there, of course, from Lloyd's TSB is that they're saying that they are confident they can t- carry out the remedial work without the demolishment of the house. And, of course, from Lloyd's point of view that's going to be a cheaper option.
0: It's that thing, isn't it? I've uh, had friends who've done this, where you you have an insurance claim about something that's a little bit more technical than, you know, you just bump your car, and the insurance company get one expert in, you get another expert in who says something contradictory. How do those situations resolve themselves? I guess you have to go with the insurance company's guy, don't you?
29: Well, I mean, the thing about it is the insurance company obviously are going to dig their heels in. Um, But I would think, to be quite honest, the only way that's going to be settled, I suppose, is in the court of law.
0: Do people generally understand what insurance companies will pay out for?
29: I don't think they do. I mean, it's a, the, the age-old story, isn't it? Um, read the small print, but let's be fair, there's this small print on, on contracts these days because it is a legal contract, and that, therefore they have to cover all bases. But, um, you know, it, it would take a great deal of time, which is why you, need a, why you need a broker. I mean, a lot of the time, the best idea is go through somebody who actually knows what they're, you know, they do this for a living.
0: John Guy, insurance journalist, thank you very much indeed for that.
1: Call 08459 455 555.
3: 08459 455 555.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio. Uh, Nick Coffer,
0: today, Thursday, I felt so sorry for Nick. I felt sorry for Nick. He made a... uh, Listen, Um, you dress how you want to please... You dress how you want to please, people. Let your freak flag fly. He made a bold statement yesterday by wearing um, a leopard-skin blouse. And I, I was very polite when he came. I said, you know, it looks like a, it looks like a fun top. Um, some other members of the, uh, the uh, Three Counties staff, Catherine Boyle, were actually quite rude. And then I thought, oh, it's, you know, it's got away with it. It's fine. You wear what you want. I don't care. And then I was, I was driving home, listening to uh, the Jonathan Vernon Smith show, and John- <laughs> he was doing Jonathan was doing like a link or something, and then just burst into this cackle, and he was la- he was laughing at poor old Nick Coffer, who is one of the nicest people you can ever meet. He was c- cackling at him on air, very, very very naughty. I thought. There's a picture of it. Go to the Facebook page. You can have a look and make your own comment well can i just say no listen i don't mind you wear what you want i don't mind Uh, i i don't have the worst well the second worst fashion sense here but we have never had so many comments about a photograph on the bbc three counties facebook page than we did uh, for for that picture facebook.com forward slash bbc three cr Bold choice, and I, I applaud, applaud bold choices. Anyway, Nick's on today between 12 and 3. He's um, at one of, one of his most popular advice clinics from 12, as he welcomes back osteopath Deborah Batams, who'll be here to ease your aches and pains with advice and reassurance. What she won't be able to do over the air, and what I always see my osteopath for, she won't be able to click your back over the air, which is one of the gifts that, uh, that, that God has given us, the ability for, for a man or a woman to lie on us, twist us, lift us, and make our back go click. She won't be doing that. But uh, I've heard her, and for someone who suffers with back pain from time to time, it's a cracking lesson. So Nick Coffer uh, on between 12 and 3. Bookshops are closing. The last bookshop that's not a charity shop is closing in Watford. I want to know the last book you bought in a bookshop, because I've done that thing of going in a bookshop, looking at some books, and, oh, I wonder how much this is online. Oh, I can save £5. I'll order it now. I'll have it tomorrow. I can wait a day. I did buy a book at the weekend in America, and uh, I was with my dad, and he bought a book for my little boy. It is good. It, it's, it's something great about books. I will never, ever succumb to these Kindles and these awful eye readers, e-readers, whatever they call. I want a book. I want a book where I can. I have to lick my thumb to turn the pages. I want to fold the page over. I want to sniff an old book. Imagine sniffing an old Kindle. What's, what's the pleasure in that? Can you imagine it? There's no pleasure in it. You get an old book. <sighs> oh. Phil's in Phil, do you like the smell of an old book? Uh, yeah, but,
25: um, I'm not sure when I last smelt a book, to be honest. Listen, where where are you, are you you near any old books now? Um, I've actually, I've got a book in the back of my car, actually, which is, uh, was secondhand. Get it. Uh, Is it safe to get it? Uh, I can try. Get
0: it. (laughs) Get it, Phil. I want you to sniff this book live on air. This is what this is what Marconi was dreaming of when he thought if only there's some way of communicating verbal there information. Go. He's got, what, got what,
25: what book is it, Phil? Gerald Seymour, The Collaborator. My dad gave me this actually. Oh, it's that. gonna.
0: It's a classic book. It's gonna be an old one. Open it. Just let the pages fall open where they do. Yeah. Shove your face in. It smells good. Give it, give it, give, it a, give it a big sniff. It smells good, yeah. Give it the sniff, Phil. I want to hear that sniff. You hear that? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Good for you, Phil. Well done. What was the? <laughs> it does. They do smell good, though. Old paperbacks in particular. What was the last book you bought actually in a book bookshop?
25: Yeah, well, I bought a book last week actually with my uh, fiance in um, Waterstones in Milton Keynes. Okay, what book was it? Uh, it was the title of it's forty thousand and one baby names. Hey, whoa, well, uh, hang on a second. Did you buy
0: that for a good read, or are you a, a Phil and Mrs. <laughs> Phil expecting?
25: Uh yeah, yeah, well we're we're expecting so uh Oh congratulations. Is, thank you. Uh the, the idea is that we can uh we've, we've got a different colour highlighter each. Oh okay. So then we can obviously go through the book and um highlight the ones we like, you know. Uh is this and, uh, is this your
0: first baby? Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. listen, congratulations. And I wish you the very best of success. It is the miracle. It's, it's literally a miracle that this can happen. I have that book, 40,001 baby names. Why, why they got to 40,000 and went, we need one more name. I don't know. But we found it. Uh, we found it useless, uh, to be honest, Phil, because we looked through it. It's just names. Uh, we, we would get lost in the, the number of names in there. There's too many names in there.
25: It, yeah, I mean, actually, one of my favourite names is not actually in
0: there. <laughs> 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 Can I ask what, that, what, the, what the missing name is?
25: Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say.
0: Okay, but, uh, no, you're keeping it all secret. Well done, uh, good there, for
25: you. There, there, is, uh, there is a section at the front of it that I found by you, just about, um, you know, how our name affects us through life and considerations when you're giving somebody, uh, you know, a name and how important that sort of step is. Well, the, uh, the whole process, the Sorry, thing you that, have to
0: do—the thing you have to do as a prospective dad, Phil—is you have to um, do all the rhymes of the names, so that see if it rhymes, you know, with anything rude. To see if they cut it in half, is it easy to make it into a rude word? There's lots of things you're gonna do because kids are vicious. So yeah. you want to give them as, as, least poss- as less possibility as possible. We, my wife and I, when we were naming our first boy, not so much our second, but our first, we would, one of us would come up with what we thought was the name, the perfect name, and we'd text it and go, I've got it, we'll call him this. And the other one would write back going, ah, I'm not so keen. It's a, it's a tough one to come up with a common consensus, Phil. I wish you luck with it. Thank you. Thank you. Phil, how far gone is she? Uh, 18 weeks. Oh, well done. Listen, you, you've, you've passed that stage. Congratulations, Phil. What a lovely thing to look forward to. It's superb. It really is a miracle. I love it. We named our first boy in the end at a Fleetwood Mac concert. I know. He's not named Lindsay or Fleetwood or, or, or Stevie or anything like that. But we were just sat at the Fleetwood Mac concert and we put... He's got four names. Yeah, I know. I have no middle name. We gave him four. We put them together and we went, how about this, this, this and this? We looked at each other and went... Yeah, I think it works. And then we rocked out to the Mac. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, before we carry on the show, exciting news. We're joined in the studio by an Australian who's, <laughs> who's going to apologise for his country's outrageous behaviour towards our future queen. Away you go, Bruce. Good night, mate. I'm really sorry. Thank you very much. If you could send in Jonathan Valensmith <laughs> He's, and he's going, Jonathan. Sorry about that. I just thought, was, Just
3: thought it was important that we did that. You're so good, good. You uh, got a little Australian in a little. He's a good looking nice lad, a, six foot three. Look tall, at him, tall fella. He's gone to put another shrimp on the Barbie. <laughs> I, he's, he's a flaming galah. I tell you that. <laughs> 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 have right. you ever played that drinking game, Mrs. Mangle? No, I've. <laughs> oh, you must come around, We'll play it. Okay, go on. You what do uh, you, do? you have to say you have to you have to have a group of people. Yeah, and you say uh, you say g'day, Bruce. Yeah. And you say, G'day, Bruce. And I say, Say g'day to Bruce, Bruce. So you say, hey, G'day, Bruce. And it goes on like this. Every time someone makes a mistake, they then become Mrs. Mangle. And you have to remember, who's Mrs. Mangle? And then it becomes Joe. And then it becomes Bouncer. And then another shrimp on the barbie. And before you know it, you've got a group of people all with different names. You can't remember any of their names. And you just have to keep drinking. But It's people like you are, th- are the very reason I stopped drinking.
0: <laughs> because that just sounds... <laughs> That sounds like really hell
3: and i'll be, I be honest Jonathan, <laughs> what's that it sounds dead common as well yeah, you keep yeah, it exposing quite, your it's, roots. Um, it's one of those things you do right at the very end of an evening yes a
0: game invented in 1987 as well by the Sound. <laughs> <of
3: it. laughs> good old-fashioned
0: alcoholic fun <laughs> <laughs> oh you really i really don't ever want to spend any social time with you Whatsoever. Well, What's no, don't be like that.
3: No, no. You I like spending social time I with do. Me. I do. I want to spend more with you. I know. I might be going shooting again soon, but not with you. Oh, sorry. That was the wrong thing just to blurt out like that, wasn't it? I've you, taken your breath away. Are you seeing another shooting partner? Well, a, a group of friends. <gasps> do you want to come?
0: <sighs> no, not now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can be trusted holding a gun in your presence now. <laughs>
3: I thought. I thought it was just you and me that went shooting oh well it was you, a just you gun tart it was just a group of friends who said to me oh i gather you've done a bit yeah. of shooting i said yeah it was good fun they said oh we like it too do you want to come with us yeah. i said you, yes but i'll have to wear my patch you should have said no
0: i only go shooting with uh, former television host ian lee ah uh, unbelievable
3: sorry huh? you've changed <laughs> i'm really sorry (laughs) i feel a bit bad now you should do what's coming up on your show this morning on the big fan in this morning uh i'm asking do you feel the chancellor is on your side Uh, The Chancellor is insisting the measures in yesterday's mini-budget are fair and will get the British economy back on track. There'll be real-term cuts to most benefits for the next three years after George George Osborne admitted it's going to take longer than planned to eliminate Britain's budget deficit. Labour says his economic strategy is failing and hitting those on low and middle incomes hardest. Did you see the performance yesterday? No, I didn't. I didn't. It was fascinating. I think, I think Ed Balls was taken slightly uh, by surprise surprise Right, certainly that was the the general. There's a picture of uh, Cameron and the
0: uh, Osborne laughing at uh, Ed Balls
9: on one of them. Well,
3: things, he really. wasn't. I mean, Ed Balls is normally, you know, he's a bit of a bruiser, isn't he? Yeah. In the House yeah. of Commons. Yeah. Balls. He seemed uh, he seemed totally thrown off. Yeah. And he he kept stumbling. He told he told the Chancellor that actually the deficit was coming down, and then he, but he actually meant no, it was going up, Ooh. and it was just all and that's why they were roaring with laughter. At him. Yes. So. The, the Labour Party very much arguing that the Chancellor and the Prime Minister, they're like a couple of posh boys. They're using Nadine Dorries' line. Couple of posh boys. Yep. They're not on the side of most people. Mm. Well, the Chancellor says, no, absolutely. We are. We are on the side of hard-working people. We are cutting the welfare bill. We're taking away benefits from people who don't go out and get a job. And... We are supporting the hard-working people. Well, from nine this morning, I want to hear your view. Do you feel the Chancellor is on your side? Oh, eight four five nine four double five five double five. I want your thoughts on the big phone in at nine. Mine? At your, uh, you looked at w- me, as you said, that, and you emphasised yours. I, you- I, well, I wasn't going to put you under that kind of uh, pressure to have to answer yeah. that question. Yeah. It's good.
0: I didn't not I do know anything about it.
3: <laughs> it's a bit grown up for me. It's a, li- it's a little bit grown well, up. Well, you'll be me. pleased to know, coming up at 10, yeah. I've got a sexual activist and porn star coming. Yeah, in. I'm back. So I'll, I'll listen to Radio
0: 4 for between 9 and 10, if that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. still BBC. And then I'll come back to listen to The Dirty People. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jonathan. Enjoy your shooting with your other friends. Am
1: I? No, there we go. <laughs> Across beds, hearts and butts, nice. this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: It is always, uh, I, I shall be listening at, at nine, partly because we're contractually obliged to, but also because it is a cracking listen. Uh, Jonathan Vernon-Smith, if you've not listened before, I, I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, if you want to get in touch with his show now, you send him an email, jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Now, this morning, we have been talking about whether the hoax call made to Kate Middleton's hospital was funny or just a step too far. Two Australian radio DJs impersonated the Queen and the Prince of Wales and the third impersonated the Corgis and managed to get information from the hospital where the Duchess of Cambridge is being treated for severe morning sickness. Well, Matthew York is originally from Buckinghamshire. He now lives in
27: Sydney, Australia.
0: Morning, Matthew. Good morning. What do, you, what do British people over there think about this story?
27: I think like um, most things, I think um, a lot of British people think they've gone over the line a little bit on this one. Really, you know, it's, um, you know, a pregnant ladies sh- shouldn't really be in, um, their privacy shouldn't be intruded like this. Uh, th- that's the
0: thing that's kind of got me, Matthews. It's not the fact it's the Royals, you know, I don't really care. It's the fact it's a sick pregnant woman.
27: Exactly. It shouldn't, it shouldn't happen to anybody. So, and I, I think since, uh, certainly since, um, the wedding a couple of years ago. The Australians have sort of got back much more on board with the royal family, and really, I think now that they really think they've um, really crossed the line too far.
0: Is this typical of the Australian sense of humour? I'm trying to think of famous Australian comedians, and all I can think of is um, Paul Hogan. Paul Hogan, yes,
27: exactly. The Paul Hogan. That's it. There aren't really many, to be honest. You know, it's um, they basically all the co- all the comedy on television here is, is British, to be honest.
0: Is, and is this, is this typical? Their hu- their kind of humour is to, to to do this sort
27: of thing. Yeah, I mean, I I mean not nine times out of ten, the um, humour in Australia, you know, people have a really good laugh, like at work and everything. But sometimes they do really do cross the line and say this radio station. It's not the first time they've um, gone uh, over the top. Like um, about a year ago, the one of the d- DJs for the morning show was banned for a month for. Um, for um, making a, an insensitive um, phone call to somebody. So it's all about ratings, to be honest. Have
0: you ever listened to Two Day FM before, this radio station? Yeah.
27: My, my wife listens to it on the way to work, but, to be honest, well, soon as the, um, soon as the DJs come on, she turns over to another radio station because the, the what they talk about on the radio station is just is drivel, to be honest.
0: Well, to, to, let's be honest. So, so is pretty much this station between six and nine. Like, I can't do really? it. I've,
27: I've listened to
0: it for a <laughs> while. <laughs> it's better than you remember it, I'll tell you that. Oh, well, really?
27: what, what, is, what is a bloke from Bucks doing over in Sydney? Um. I left seven eight years ago, travelling for six months, and um, basically ended up here just by accident, really, and um, ended up meeting my wife here. So it it sort it wasn't planned at all. And are you, are you, are you loving it? Is is it the, 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 yeah, the, the dream? I, yes, I think so. Certainly, um, since I've met my wife, and you know, it, we've just had a child. Um, Seven eight months ago. Oh, congratulations! If, everything is, um, you know, perfect. You know, what's the Weather's what's good.
0: what's the weather there like right now, oh. Matthew?
27: Um, I'm looking out over Sydney Harbour and there's blue sky, so it's not too bad.
0: Beautiful. We had snow yesterday.
27: I, I did hear that.
0: <laughs> 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 Matthew, listen, thank you so much for coming on. Matthew York, originally from Bucks, and he now lives in Sydney.
1: The BBC in beds, hearts, and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: We are talking about Hightown and we had uh, two of the councillors in, uh, Andy and Roxana, whose last names escape me at the moment. I've got it on a bit of paper. Uh, Andy Malcolm, Roxana Whitaker, um, who came in earlier on in the show. And fair play, they, they uh, held their position. Um, and I was just kind of wondering what you thought. If you live in that area or if you know that area... What do you think about it? And and also, what do you think about what happened during that interview? Well, Margaret is in Milton Keynes. Good morning, Margaret. Oh, good morning. What would you do to stop this problem of the prostitution?
18: I'd target the men that go to the prostitute. Right. I'd name and shame them. I would take photographs of their car. I would take photographs of when they're in the alleyways doing whatever they do. you
0: take a photograph of them in the act?
18: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And if they were... Anywhere near my premises, in my garden or in my doorway, I would get one of those high-powered water... Guns. Uh, oh, guns. water gun, yeah. water gun, water Like pistol. what you do with the cats when they're messing in your garden. Yeah. i do that. Do you, hang on a minute,
0: a minute Margaret. Do you sh- shoot cats with water when they're messing in your garden?
18: Well, yes, I would. If I had a water pistol. Oh, okay. That's
0: okay. So, if, so if someone was was um, the, the prostitute was in your front door, you'd shoot them with a water pistol.
18: Yes, from our bedroom window, from the window, a safe distance,
0: safe distance. And yes, I would.
18: I would name and shame them. I would send the photos to the papers. Or well, send them to me. Yeah. Yeah. I would, and I would take the registration numbers. Yeah. <coughs> And I think there'd be a lot of people that would be very ashamed, very frightened about it all. They don't want to be discovered. They, I mean, I think there's a lot of um, people that um, would be petrified of having their names revealed.
0: I think. Would, would you? How would how would you feel, Margaret, if it was na- you were named as having sex with a prostitute?
18: <laughs> Most unlikely. But if but it if happened... I was, if I was a councillor, a politician, yeah. a policeman, a doctor, I'd be terrified. Yeah,
0: Margaret, thank you very much indeed. Ian's in Bedford. Morning, Ian. Morning, Ian. Morning. Morning. Well, yeah, I'm all right, thank you. What should they do to, to stop this problem?
18: Well, I can't
12: understand why the councillors are so involved with this. Surely it's a police matter. And what, what they did in Birmingham, because I'm from, from up uh, up near Birmingham, what they did, there was no horse or heat. And they flooded the place with police. And they moved all the prostitutes and all the curb callers and all the drug dealers out. Um, And and, and the problem went. So why why are the council trying to go in on long-term plans? Just get the police in there and kick them out.
0: It does. I mean, the, the, okay. the, the argument that Andy and Roxana were making was that it's a long-term thing. There are a lot of people with, with drug issues and health issues and stuff like that, and you have to kind of get rid of the causes of the prostitution, and then that ultimately will get rid of the prostitutes. And listen, I can understand people with drug addi- drug addictions and problems. I have every sympathy for them. But also, I do have sympathy for the people that live in the streets, and they want the problem solved now, not in five years' time.
12: Absolutely. Well, it was done in Birmingham, so all I need to do is get in touch with West Midlands Police... They'll tell them how to do it. They, they, there was one road, and I know the name of the road, it was Speedwell Road, that was known throughout the Midlands. And what they did, I suppose the council were involved with this, it used to be a thoroughfare. They blocked it off one end. So all the curb callers, if they wanted to go and pick somebody up, they used to drive down Speedwell Road. They didn't used to be able to get out the other end. They used to turn around and had a police car waiting for them. What are you doing, sir? Why are you down here? And then it stopped. Simple.
0: Thank you very much for that, Ian. Well, we can put all that to Ollie Martins in the new year when he comes in.
12: Flood the area
1: with the place On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Morning. Ah. I'm in a good mood this morning. I don't know why. If you've ever listened to this show before or listen regularly, you'll know I'm quite a grumpy person. I think it's the fact that I've got the best haircut ever. And Seriously, I've got the best haircut ever. And it's made me in, in quite, a, 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 quite a sparky mood. It really has, um, you know, lifted me a little bit. So, uh, you know... <laughs> Uh, look, my, my team are writing. I thought you had the. I thought you were going to say you had the best team ever, and that's why you're so pokey. No, not at all. I would say, listen, I've I've done many radio shows. I would say this is probably the sixth, seventh best team I've ever worked with. So, well done, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, t- I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Coming up in the next half an hour, lots of stuff, and you can give us a call on all of this, or most of it anyway. The broadcaster, Stuart Hall, has been charged with three counts of indecent assault on girls aged between 9 and 16. We'll find out why and what happens next. And if you travel on virgin trains from Watford or Milton Keynes, guess what? You're still going to be travelling on Virgin for at least another 23 months. We'll tell you more about what's going on in the West Coast Mainline in the next 10 minutes.
1: Call 08459 455 555.
3: 08459 455 555.
1: BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: The veteran broadcaster Stuart Hall has been charged with three counts of indecent uh, d- indecent assault, sorry, on girls aged between nine and sixteen. Mr. Hall used to present the long-running game show It's a Knockout. He's now 82 and is best known these days for his colourful football reports on BBC Radio Five Live. Let's get more on this now with our reporter James Alexander. Morning, James. Morning. You. What more do we know about the accusations against Stuart Hall? Yeah, these claims date back several decades. We've got a bit
5: more detail from the Crown Prosecution Service about the alleged offences. They're said to have been committed in 1974 against a girl who was then 16 or 17, in 1983 against a girl aged 8 or 9, and in 1984 against a 13-year-old girl. On a further allegation of rape, Stuart Hall was released without charge.
0: Has this got anything to do with the Jimmy Savile investigation?
5: No, police keen to stress this isn't connected to the Jimmy Savile inquiry. Stuart Hall was arrested at his home in a leafy part of Cheshire yesterday morning. Officers searched the property. They took away several items. Mr Hall was questioned by detectives through the day. And last night he was charged with these three counts of indecent assault.
0: Any reaction from Mr Hall or his employers?
20: no word yet
5: from stuart hall or his agent no but his employers the bbc have released a statement they say in light of the very serious nature of these charges stuart hall won't be working at the corporation while the police investigation
0: goes on now we're both treading carefully because charges have been brought we do have to legally obviously be careful Mm. about what we say but stuart hall has has been a popular character who's had a, a long and varied career
5: Yeah, you probably remember him hosting It's a Knockout back in the 70s and 80s, a familiar face, a familiar voice, those distinctive plummy tones and that very exuberant presenting style. In recent years, he's become a bit of a cult figure for football fans. If you know his match reports on Five Live on a Saturday afternoon, he has a rather florid, poetic way with words. He says he actually invented the phrase, the beautiful game. And uh, earlier this year, he was awarded an OBE for his services to broadcasting and charity.
0: When's he due to appear in court? What happens next?
5: Yeah, what happens next, he'll appear in court in the new year at Preston Magistrates on the 7th of January. Thank you very much for that, James Alexander.
1: On FM, AM and online, BBC Three Counties Radio.
0: Andrew Carberry on the tweets, the tweet machine. It's a shame Watford is losing Waterstones, but the town still has W H Smiths and HMV, where you can buy new books in person. W H Smiths fascinates me. I used to love W H Smiths as a kid, partly because I was a proper geek, right? And I used to love my video games and my Spectrums and Commodores. And uh, if, if, if Boots was busy on a Saturday morning, they had loads of games and consoles lined up. You go into Smiths next door and play on their Spectrum. I used to love Smiths. I was wandering through Smiths the other day, though, just thinking. I don't know what this shop is anymore. It's kind of a bit of everything and, and, and nothing, really. It's got, it's got some DVDs, it's got some magazines, it's got a few books, it's got sweets, it's got sandwiches. What is WH Smith's? Ian, the last book I got from the bookshop was The Hunger Games from Rock Sausage. Phil says, the last book I bought from a shop was ten years ago. The Autobiography of Motley Crue. Now, there's a book... Young... Well, if you want... You, the Motley Crew book is one of the filthiest books I have ever read in my life. OK, if you're over the age of 18 and you're passing a bookshop, go in, read the first paragraph. Yeah, it's all downhill from there. Uh, and Sea Fishing Techniques was my last book. Smells good too. Go and smell some old books. Old books and old records. Double albums. Or oh, oh, man, alive. I'm, I'm, my wife is out today. I've got lunch with... I'm having lunch with my friend Clive. And then I'm just going to go home and sniff. I'm just going to to rip my shirt off and I'm going to throw books all over the floor and sniff like crazy. There's an image. There's an image that you thought you'd never have and, and probably never wanted in your heads. Now, if you travel on Virgin Trains from Watford or Milton Keynes... Guess what? Yes, you're still going to be travelling on Virgin for at least another 23 months. They will carry on running services on the West Coast mainline. Virgin had been set to lose the West Coast franchise to First Group, but the deal was scrapped after Department for Transport faults were found with the bidding process. Andrew Pakes is Labour's Parliamentary Spokesman for Milton Keynes.
30: Morning, Andrew. Morning, Ian. What's your
0: reaction to this?
30: Uh, well, I'm already in central London this morning, so you know I know well that thousands of people across the, the region rely on the trains every day. So I think first up, this will be you know an end to the uncertainty we've been facing since the the start of this whole franchising mess earlier in the summer.
0: Will will passengers notice any
30: difference? Will it will it mean anything to them? We appear to be being told that uh, the government's going to continue with the the rollout of the extra carriages. Uh, Virgin have said they're going to give us some improvement. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed that the... The level of service we generally see from Virgin will continue, uh, but I have noticed that when this was all announced in the summer, the government were promising us a fifteen percent cutting fares. That seems to have been, uh, it seems to have disappeared from this morning's announcement. Oh, we, we've
0: forgotten the fifteen percent cut, have we? That's that's vanished.
30: Uh, absolutely. You know, we already know that if you're travelling from Milton Keynes as a commuter and your season ticket involves the Tube, you're already now paying more than five thousand pounds a year. Wow. Most other commuters are paying four and a half thousand pounds a year. I don't know about all your listeners, but I've been tightening my belt wow. all year uh, with rising costs. And you know, my eyes do begin to water when I look at these fares. Regarded because you, you s- runs You say five
0: grand a year. That's that's a lot of money, isn't it? Uh, Andrew, so they're gonna be, Virgin are gonna be running it for another two years. Is that when the decision gets made on who actually takes over then?
30: It is. The government at the moment, the government says it's going to start this whole retendering process again at some point uh, in, in the next two years so they can make an announcement from 2014 onwards. You know, my big problem is that uh, we got into this whole sorry mess, uh, which appears to have cost taxpayers at least £40 million pounds just to tidy up to this point so far, that the government's going to try and just repeat the same mistakes again, and I want some reassurance that they are, have learned the lessons from what's gone wrong, uh, and that franchising isn't just about the lowest price that uh, they can run the railways for, it's about putting passengers first uh, and giving us all a bit of certainty about quality.
0: Andrew Pakes, will let you get on with your day, it's the Labour Parliamentary Spokesman for Milton Keynes. Now, earlier on in the show, uh, and quite a lot recently, we've been talking about an area in Luton called Hightown where uh, the residents are, are really unhappy with the amount of crime and antisocial behaviour that's taking place. Drug using, uh, prostitution seems to be the main thing that keeps getting mentioned. And some horrible stories of, of prostitutes um, having sex in the chute, the, uh, the, the rubbish chutes. Well, I know, uh, up against people's front doors, families don't feel safe, women who live there being asked if they're working... We had uh, a couple of the councillors in there. We had Roxana Whitaker and Andy Malcolm came in earlier on, um, and we're, we're kind of just wondering, well, what, what do you do? How do you stop all of that? Alison is in Luton. Morning, Alison. Hiya. You're a probation officer, are you? Yes. What would you What would you suggest that, that is done to to kind of stop all this prostitution that's making the, these live,
18: the, the, the residents' lives a misery? Well, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because if you put a huge police presence in there you know, and stop all the curb crawlers, then the street worker's going to go somewhere else. Mm. And so that's really, really difficult. But I think you had a little bit of a go at the woman who was helping these street workers, because actually they're really vulnerable women. And believe me, I feel really sorry for the people who have to suffer all seeing all this stuff. You know, it's really not nice. It's not nice for the children. It's not nice for the community. But You know, these women are really, really vulnerable, and this this in-reach work is helping them move away from that, which, you know, can only help the community. But, you know, a huge police presence there constantly for a short period of time will help, but then when they move off again... Is it going to go back to
0: how it was? Listen, Alison, I, I do have sympathy with, with, with prostitutes. I certainly have sympathy with, with uh, drug addicts and drug abusers. I've got f- friends who have been and are in that position. Yeah. I do have sympathy with prostitutes. Uh, and, of course, you know, the, most of those women that are turning tricks on the street like that, they don't want to be there. They, they've got better things they would rather be Absolutely. doing. So I have sympathy with them. But also, I kind of... It, it's mixed, because I, I wonder what it, I would feel like if I lived there and I looked out of the window I could see prostitutes having sex. You know, I, I, I wouldn't... I, I, I wouldn't want. That. I wouldn't want to see that. And I, no, I guess I'm no. kind of falling more on the side of the residents, perhaps.
18: Yeah, and I think it's got to be balanced, isn't it? And it's it's quite an emotional subject for yeah. people who live in there who see this on a day to day basis. But you know, signing them is going to just create more work for them because most of them are living. Some sometimes they're working to provide their drugs. Sometimes they're working through. Um, you know, other people forcing them to do that. Mm. So working with them to get them off the street, although it's going to be a long-term solution, it is a solution. But
0: even if it's going to take years, that was the thing that that, 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 that that confused me, that it could take years for that to happen, and that's not good enough for the people who live there, is it?
18: No, it's not, but anything that's going to work and be effective is going to take a long time. Mm. You know, having a police presence on there to change, um, you know the way that street workers work, and also, you know, catching the uh, curb callers, that's going to take a long time. Mm. Everything takes time.
0: Alison, you make a good point. Thanks for calling in. Okay, there we you. go, it's Alison in Luton. 0845, we, we got in touch with Alison. Oh eight four five nine 555 is the telephone number. If uh, you want to give us a call about any of the things that we're talking about this morning, ah, sad news. There won't be any bookshops in Watford come Christmas Eve. Other than charity ones, Waterstones is shutting down. All of the staff are going to lose their jobs. The company says they're being forced to close because of commercial reasons. But is it the end of the road for bookshops with the explosion of the internet, Amazon, Kindles, all of that
12: stuff? Well, here's what these people in Watford think. I read a lot, but I use Kindle.
13: Right, so I suppose for you, you don't go into bookshops anymore anyway?
12: No, not very often nowadays.
13: It doesn't surprise you then that another bookshop's closing?
12: No, it's not. do not surprise me at all. You know, so many of them closing down everywhere. It's
14: an excellent <coughs> bookshop, yeah. yeah. It um, means that there's not a um, bookshop. So, where are you? Readers. Well, this yes. is it. Yeah. Where do
13: you go? What happens to you?
14: Because that's where I would normally go to buy a book. Yeah. You do? Yeah. I would be struggling because um, Smith's wouldn't have what I would be after.
13: No. They're very specialist, aren't they? Yes. I guess. Yeah, yeah. So. And what about Amazon?
14: Don't fancy do. that? I do. Yeah. Yes. I do use online, but um, if I don't know a book, I want to have a look. Yeah. That's
13: true. So. And why do you think Watford? Because there are others in the area, St Albans, Hitchin, they're still open. Why do you think here in Watford they're closing down? Illiterate people uh, that just don't read, perhaps?
14: No, or? I'd hope not. No. I'd hope not. I hope not i do not know so yeah. why, they've, why they've made that decision, but I'm certain, yeah. I don't buy books. <laughs> don't buy
15: books. No. Buy books. no. Go to the charity shop, buy a book. Yeah.
13: Do you think that's what people do nowadays? They just oh, they Yes, I think so. I mean, so, yeah,
15: because yes. price of paperbacks and whatever, yeah, I mean, going there 50 pence.
13: Yeah. Whereas you're looking at six ninety
15: nine. pounds 99 yeah. yeah, you
8: only read it once, don't
13: you? So you're not surprised that bookshops are going down the morning. Oh, no. No, no, yeah, actually. Do you go there often?
8: Not that often, no, to be perfectly honest. No. I normally get my books online, so... But so, I think it's a shame. Yes,
13: yeah, no more bookshop other than second-hand shops now We're in the town.
8: Disappointing but, here. Not good for the economy. Yeah, probably to go online with the internet and go to charity bookshops, so think so. That's
0: our reporter Serena Farrow talking to the people of uh, Watford. Claire Rayner is from St Albans. She runs a bookshop. She's also a retail expert. Good morning, Claire. Good
18: morning, but I don't run a bookshop. Oh, do you not? No. Would you like to? <laughs> um, not in the current climate, well,
0: no. it, It's not looking good, As if I don't know why that's on my screen. I apologise, Claire, but uh, <laughs> I've, I've given you a bookshop. What's going on? Who's to blame for this?
18: Well, no one is really to blame it, apart from customers who've chosen to spend their money elsewhere. I mean, there are certain sectors like music, DVD, video game and books that it really doesn't matter where you buy it, it's exactly the same product. And with the rise of Amazon and all of the main chains taking their product online as well, including Waterstones, it's given us an alternative way to go and buy books that for many is a lot more convenient, can be cheaper, although you know way up the delivery costs and the delay. So we've changed our purchasing habits. It's not really a major surprise that these categories of shops, the books, the D V D, Music and Video but it's not a surprise they're closing.
0: I always tick the, um, the box for free delivery. I don't mind waiting three to five days if it's not costing me anything.
18: No, and th- when you're in a town centre environment, unless you absolutely need it now, which is unlikely with that kind of product, yep. then you can wait. Of course... The areas where books sell particularly brilliantly are in places like the airports, where you're on yeah. your way to catch a plane, and you think, I need something to read now. Darn, I've forgotten what I wanted. And you'll pick something up there and then. That's very much about impulse and immediacy. I but need that John
0: well. Barrowman autobiography right now before I get on the plane to Prague. <laughs> That's
18: right, so I'll be bored to tears on the aircraft. Uh,
0: <laughs> is it? Well, In that case, is, is this the beginning of the end for the high street? Because you can get, it's easier to get books and CDs and DVDs and video games. Online and probably cheaper. I even even I have started buying clothes online, Claire, and I swore I'd never do it.
18: Well, it isn't the beginning of the end for the high street because the high street is a much different animal than just buying books. Yep. We need to experience and enjoy products. Certain types of products need interaction. That's not to say, though, that the shops won't evolve into something else, a place where we either go and collect the orders we've transacted online or a place where we go to inspect the product before potentially processing it on our mobile handset in the store. So there's a lot of, of, of change in the sector. And as consumers, we're asking for a, a lot more from shops to give us experience and introduce products and give us advice and bring service. So those shops have just changed their role, and we will still want to visit them. Do you think independent
0: bookstores will do better than the big ones like Waterstones?
18: Those that really have a particular niche and focus, I think, do really well. And they, they do pick their locations carefully, so you see some brilliant smaller independent bookshops around the universities for instance, selling books that that particularly wouldn't be listed in the big chains because they don't have enough volume of sale, but you can buy them in the niche independent stores because they know their customers so well. And kids bookshops are particularly good because they'll do things like story time and colouring experiences. And so parents will visit them for the whole experience and they'll buy the books because they want to support them and keep them present. And that's the difference.
0: You're right, there's a cracking kids bookshop that's opened up near us and we went in there and said what on earth are you doing opening a bookshop you know but they've got so many great things on there mm-hmm. they sell coffee for the mums and dads they have free reading sessions they have authors going in and it's things like that and also the and thing that's
18: o- the future of the high street isn't it it's the experience yeah. it's making it sociable and fun and of course then you'll buy from them because you don't want them to disappear yeah
0: Claire, thank you very much I'm sorry I I suggested that you might be one of those people that would own a bookshop, how rude of me I've written a book, but I don't own a bookshop Well, there you go Claire, thank you very much for coming That's Claire uh, Claire Rayner, and can I just say for the record she does not own a bookshop, and she never will well, maybe she will, but she probably won't Uh, She is a retail expert, though. Um, Let's have a look and see what we've got here. Ah! Andy in Chesham has emailed in about um, Hightown, that we were talking about uh, earlier on. Prostitution has gone on forever, so why do you expect the councillors to solve the problem in weeks or months? Options. Why not video the prostitutes, and in particular their punters, and put it on the internet? Name and shame. A proper police presence on the street will move the women on, but only shift the trade elsewhere. Why not regulate prostitution? If the unfortunate ladies are regulated, they can be protected from violent pimps, scream for illness, help with drug addiction and saved from forced prostitution. Regulated prostitution can be taxed, with revenue raised, paying for better conditions. It's a Victorian prudery that keeps controversial but effective methods from being considered. Men want to buy sex, and women, for many reasons, satisfy the need. The urgency is to improve women's financial positions so they're not forced into straight I'm not against prostitution. I- I'm not at all. And I have the, the greatest sympathy and the greatest empathy for these poor women that are forced to do it in those conditions. But, you know, I've got to kind of think, how do I, you know, how would I feel if that was happening out in my street? We really are flipping all over the place today, and I love it when it's like this. Two Australian radio DJs impersonated the Queen and Prince of Wales to trick hospital staff into giving them an update on Kate Middleton's condition. Our well, reporter, Jessica Cooper, spoke to people in Luton this morning to find out
7: whether they thought it was funny or outrageous. Basically, I think that was wrong, definitely. And um, if it would be my personal issue or problem, I would be really disappointed about it. Because it's kind of personal life um everybody wants to have you know some secrets i mean we all do so uh it is definitely wrong it's definitely wrong I, I would definitely be disappointed very disappointed if it happened to me mm-hmm. um
6: are you surprised given the um the stature that kate middleton is that she's a, a member of the royal family now that the the people were able to get through and find out the information about her
7: that's really bad uh, as i'm saying um all the royal information should come out from them whenever they want it. Um, that's really it sounds wrong for me, because uh, people never know for themselves, is it, is it how it's going to happen? And um, So, yeah, I think it's definitely wrong. I think it was a bit foolish, no harm done. Personally, I think the nurse was
8: a bit naive. Simple as that. You don't get Queen and Prince. Uh, Charles. With Charles doing that sort of thing. So.
6: How would you feel, though, if it was a member of your family and that happened?
8: Um, probably laugh, because I really think it's a harmless thing, you know, a bit foolish. It depends. People are sensitive, more sensitive than others, Uh, but no harm done. And, uh, yeah, I think the nurses are a wee bit uh, naive at the end of the day.
9: Really appalling. They do it all the time, the Aussies, so it's just poor. We shouldn't go there ever again.
6: When have they done it before, then?
9: I think there was something in the paper a year or two ago that they phoned somebody up. I don't know who it was, I can't remember, but... They did do it before, I certainly remember. Was it the England manager or something like that? So they they got history, so...
6: What do you think about hoax calls in general? Are they ever funny? No. But a lot of people were quite divided on this. Some people think that it is quite a, a good joke.
9: Yeah, until it's done on them, then it's not so funny.
6: Mm. So I just think it's bad.
0: I do love that prince... That's who we need. A prince like that would surely... Live. And we, we did not get... And we were touting for it all morning, and I really thought we would. We didn't get... An Australian to phone in and apologise to this great nation for mocking and indeed offending not just the Duchess of Cambridge, not just Prince William, but all of us. Each and every one of us in this country has been violated by this ridiculous attempt at, an in inverted commas, humour. And not one Australian had the guts to pick up the phone and call in and apologise. Shameful. Absolutely shameful. There we go. That was fun, wasn't it? there's some good bits and pieces in there. Little little argument, a little laughter. What, what more could you want from the breakfast show? Uh, back tomorrow at six o'clock. Do keep listening though, because the excellent JVS is up next. Ta ta.
21: Getting beds, hearts, and bugs talking.
1: This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian.